Hey, this is Reverend Dave Johnson. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Uh, and uh, don't do it while you're masturbating. <laughs> Thanks for talking to Vince this week, Scott, because we were able to get him back on the messenger for a minute. <laughs> for real. I thought I thought Vince was like a full-blown uh, player player when it comes to Facebook. Oh, geez. no, not 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 to me and Jason. He used to be. He was the lowest anymore. No, yeah. Well, Scotty, you're only getting part of the story. <laughs> Is, is this going to involve some sort of jealousy over whose boo is who? No, no, they can, they can have the booze. I don't care about that anymore. No, you don't. You don't, you don't, that, you don't I don't. I don't care at all. I'm, I'm big past it. You know what the deal is now? If, it, if it's not WrestleMania, oh, Lord. It, it's picking guys for some kind of fantasy land baseball basketball thing they got going on. They don't talk comments anymore, so I want I want nothing yeah, no, to do with them. Not, not. Hey guys, I dropped off Southern Bastard Rebels in the DB and stuff, so we're gonna talk. Oh yeah, and then he goes. Oh, and then, oh, oh, all right. So Spider-Man, Superman, I mentioned in. Uh... Let, me, let me go pick some dudes for a game. That doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I'm watching it all fall apart. <laughs> See, this is how it all started. This is how we went. You must have we went from four to three. The this great podcasting dream of 2007 is now almost dead. Who's who's making fun Daps of somebody I like? And that's terrible. This <laughs> is terrible stuff. Daps on the clock. Give him a moment. <laughs> we shall give him a moment. Lots of moments. Oh, he just made a pick. All right, go ahead. Good job, Daps. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Good job, I, I, I dread April 1st. What? Dread oh, it. it's the worst day on... Uh, it, it is. You go on, you go on social media and it's a whole bunch of nonsense. Did you but see it, the Apple the Apple button? I saw the Amazon button. A, a, not, yeah, sorry. Uh, the the Amazon dash. Yeah. Is that a real thing? It is. I thought it was the greatest oh. April Fool's joke ever, but it's real. Yeah. My son wants that. What is it? It's Tell uh, so it's Amazon is creating these little buttons, almost like the uh, what are those uh, like the they almost look like little self-adhesive, like, uh, oval-shaped, yeah, yeah, like 3M things. And they're connected via Wi-Fi to your network to basic home products like your detergent or, uh, your dishwasher soap, like whatever, or your toilet paper, whatever kind of thing. Feminine hygiene. Yeah. Like and, that. and when you're running low, you press this button and it automatically orders it for you from Amazon Prime for delivery to your house. That is baller as fuck, right? <laughs> it I'm... is, but it's so it's so whack though. Because what if I want the fucking big tide this time, or what if I want like I you mean, order the big tide the first time, son? I'm just <laughs> saying, dude. It's like go big tide or go That's home. Right. How hard is it to pull up like and, and add something to a cart? I don't know. It, it seems I don't want seventy three different buttons all over my house. Have my kids around hit that shit randomly. <laughs> I have 17 <laughs> pallets of tides in my house. I didn't think about that. I didn't think it, it's hard enough for me to get my kid not to use half a fucking roll of toilet paper every That's time. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. My favorite. Could you stick them buttons on your balls and your wife has one in her purse? She could just click the button when she wants it and you come running. It's awesome. Just just put, it, put it on all sex toys. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, this is batteries running, running low on the rabbit. <laughs> my, my dildo am worn hey, Scott, out. Gotta I, get told, another one. I told you the story about the rabbit, right? Uh, I don't know. 
All right, like about a year ago, okay. <laughs> I'm chilling at work. I get a text from my lovely wife. Oh, hey, what's shit. going on? We're catching up. She's like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. I'm like, why is that? Went shopping today, and I got a rabbit. I'm like, yes. oh, this is, I remember this. This is awesome. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, it was on sale. She's like, I, I'm so excited. I was sitting there, I'm like, rubbing my hands together. I'm like, you're oh, like, tonight is the night. Yeah, I'm like, we're going to get freaking dicky. I'm all giddy and stuff. I get home. I'm ready to do this, tear it up. She, she's like, oh my God. And she comes out with the fucking, one of those rabbit wine bottle openers. I knew it was going to be a wine bottle opener. And I was like, what is this? She's like, it's the rabbit. I was like, oh, uh, the I, instant flat, instant flaccidity. Oh, that's brutal. Like, brutal. Like I would actually, we would probably be in a week long fight after that. <laughs> like that's, I'm my damn rabbit. Yeah, that's, that's like, that's worse than coming home after like, uh, you know, uh, after a second trimester screening and, and, and pretending something's wrong for five minutes, you know, when there's really nothing wrong and scaring me. Uh, oh, that's not funny. No, I'm saying the rabbit's worse than that. It is, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. My wife would never buy a rabbit. Which one? Why? They don't make them that big. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, right. shit. It's 11 oh, o'clock. <laughs> Episode 362. And if you want giant cavernous discounts. Um, <laughs> you won't be agape with Jared. <laughs> It's 11 o'clock comics, 362. I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. You are David A. Price, and I am Kevin Donovan, but you know me as Africa Bombado. Oh, that's nice. You could be Africa Bombado nice. this week. Rock, rock, planet, rock. I am Scotty Young. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> no finesse at all. No Scotty Young. We've, no been, we've been talking for 25 minutes. <laughs> it's, it's an intro. Got to do it up proper. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, everyone knows Scotty. We don't have to introduce him, but we will. Rocket Raccoon, Fortunately the Milk, Wizard of Oz, millions and millions of beautiful covers, um, just many, many things. He's our buddy, and he's here again with us. Hello, guys. Leave it to Vince to not mention the one thing that's really timely that you're... That... Well, I'm going to let Scotty do ah, that. Ah, it's all part of a big plan. Gotcha. Ooh, yeah. He's weaving a, he's weaving a tail. My master uh, piece here. Um, and you don't have to be agape with wonder at the cheap prices you can find of comics. Eh, I messed it up. At Discount Comic Book Service, all you got to do is just fire up your internet uh, browsing device and head on over to dcbservice.com. And, wow, it smacks you right in the face, the low prices you will receive. Unfortunately, we're in the limbo again. The The new list is not up. But... Rest assured, the discounts will be both deep and plentiful. They always do. They never let us down. Uh, 35 to sometimes 75% off your favorite stuff. Go there, dcbservice.com. All right. Nicely done. Respect not, it. Not really. But no. anyway. Nah, I fumbled. So, drink roll call. Go ahead. I'm drinking water. Nice. Wow. You're, yeah, but it's got bubbles in it, so it's fancy. You're pulling out all the stops tonight, buddy. Uh, for, for a special yes. guest and everything. Oh, you know, we've had Scotty on a bunch of times. I'm going to drink water. Yeah. Scotty makes no demands. Yep, I got no rider except a bowl full of Smarties. Oh, snap. How about you, David? Uh, this is uh, in honor of our friend Andrew Shaw from Australia, 
who uh, was on TV and won a lot of money on a game show and is using some of that money to make his way to the States for C2E2 later this month. Uh, I am drinking 19 Crimes Cabernet Sauvignon from Australia. Wait a minute, that was real? Yes. Wait, wait. Because I, I saw that today. Yes. Yeah. What, what game show? Some Australian game show. Like how much money? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what the, uh, I, I, I don't know what the conversion rate is. He, he, he won a, a handsome, a tidy sum. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Respect. Respect. Uh, I am drinking the nectar of the gods, otherwise known as Diet Dr. Pepper. Nice. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Wait. How come you're not drinking alcohol in honor for of Mr. Young? Yeah. Because uh my, my I haven't been the same since I had that uh that that stomach bug that ripped through the whole family. I haven't felt like having the alcohols. It's uh no no taste for it. Well, I can't uh disagree with that one. Yep, got to wait for the stomach to settle. Yeah. You know. I am having coffee. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I, well, I had maybe two mini beverages this past weekend. We went out, um, uh, on a date night or we went out for our next door neighbors, uh, had her 40th birthday party. So we took them out to one of our favorite spots here and, and, uh, we were the first reservation of the night and we were, we shut the place down. Or so we, uh, we, we had some nice, like, uh, Black, cracked pepper infused, uh, tequila, pomegranate margaritas, Ooh. and apricot, uh, like apricot vodka, Moscow mules, and it was all types of, uh, you know, fancy mixology going on. Wow. So because I did, did it up right on Saturday night, I've needed to keep it, keep it level this week. Keep it 100. <sighs> yep. And, right. and when you work like 32 hours a day, you need coffee. Hmm. Uh, Lately, yes, it's insane. I've, I've been, I usually don't do coffee at night, but the last couple of months I am doing coffee. <laughs> well, what, what, what we're staying up for? Absolutely. Well, it's yeah. early for me. It's only, it's only eight for me. So I mean, I mean, 1120 or how, whatever the, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the curtain magic that you guys pull. The, uh, the, but before the segue, we, uh, the name of the show is Million Dollar Minute. Okay. I like that. I still don't know. A million dollars? No, I don't think he made it to the final round. No, but still, free money. I'll ask him when I see him. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Good for him. Yeah. Kudos. Yeah. I like that. All right. No uh, pending business in the beginning here. We can get right to the comics? Sure. Uh, sure. Wow. Well, let's talk to Scotty. What's up? What's up, man? What are you, what are you thinking about, buddy? What, what are you doing? <laughs> What am I, what am I thinking? <laughs> are you drawing as you talk to us or are you taking a break? No, I'm taking a break. Yep. Definitely a break. I, I had to, uh, I had to pull out of, uh, Seattle this past weekend cause I was a little too busy. So, uh, but. Oh, you were I, supposed to go to EC? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was supposed to be at Emerald City, but a couple weeks leading up to it, I could kind of see the future and see what was happening and. I had an unexpected trip kind of, uh, land, land at the, here coming up next week. So the two back to back were a little bit too hardcore. So I had to pull, I had to stay home. Ah, uh, bummer, dude. Yeah, but sure we got a lot see- of fans were bummed out about that. Yeah, it's tough when you have to decide to do that, but you know, 
you never know until right then, uh, yeah. you know, what the situation is. And, and, you know, the downside is, is publishing schedules are publishing schedules. You know, they, they don't really bend and, you know, there's money involved and there's, it's, you know, everything's kind of, the press is all set up and everybody's ready to go. So even though it, it sucks to have to cancel like that and let people down, you know, sometimes when it comes up to it, you're like, ah, I'm going to have to hit these dates, you know. And we move behind the curtain. Do you, do you, you like when you do that? If you're, a, I don't know if you were, I assume because you're a baller these days, you're a guest. Like, do, do they, do you already have tickets bought, like plane tickets? In which case, are they kind of out that money or do you have to refund it or how's that work? You know, some, sometimes there's tickets bought. I mean, most of the time there's tickets bought depending on the wind. Like we'll usually kind of, you know, hang, hang out and buy the tickets a little bit late. Um, and it goes both ways. Like there's been times where, you know, obviously I've had to cancel trips for, you know, family medical things or whatever. And, uh, normally I haven't had any conventions. Um, I haven't had any conventions, uh, ask me to refund. I mean, I haven't canceled a ton of them in my career. I mean, I can count on one hand probably the times I've had to cancel, but, um, Mm -hmm. with Seattle, because I know Jim and, and George, uh, so well, and, you know, I've been supporting their show for so long and in a, in a, and I really felt bad. I, I just, I didn't even let them ask me. I just did it. They wouldn't have asked me. Uh, but I gotcha. gave them, I paid for my ticket because, you know, uh, I had, you know, it was my fault. It was my miscalculation. I didn't want them to have to be out and that's money that they spend and, and raise for the yeah, book. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I just went ahead and, re- and bought my ticket for them since they had nice. already purchased it. So and that would be Jim Demonakis, the uh, longtime showrunner, right? And yeah, Jim and his brother George. Yep. They both run a, run an amazing show and they, Got their hands in Rose City Comic Con in Portland as well, and uh, you know they sold to Reed. Uh, not yeah. sold, not sold to Reed. They merged with Reed. Now this was the first Reed affiliated show, or is that going into effect next year? You know, because I wasn't there, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, okay, I don't know how it went. Um, but I know that show is getting massive. Like it's, I mean, it was. I usually do Emerald City every other year, um, and I think I'm going to start doing that for a lot of shows. Um, I'm going to start rotating a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always liked doing that show every other year because it just kind of gives an, an adequate break. So when you go back, you're kind of like, you know, everybody there is really glad to see you and it's kind of fun. But every year I go back, that place is just bigger than the last. It's so big. Yeah. So, so are you, uh, so I know we're going to see you at Heroes. What other shows are you slated to do? Uh, C2E2 in a couple of weeks. Cause you know, that's pretty much a local show yeah. for me. So, uh, C2E2, um, heroes. And then I, I think if everything is set up, I, I believe I'm a guest at San Diego this year. Nice. Um, they, I don't think they've announced it yet, but we, we talked about it and they they have my bio and everything. So I don't know when they'll pop it on the website, but yeah, this is my first year of, uh, out of <laughs> the 15 I've been doing this there. I actually, I, I was actually pretty excited to, to get invited to be a guest at, at San Diego because San Diego has grown so in, insane that it's, it's almost, a, it, it's such a hassle to go to that now. You know? Yeah. Well, people always say to us, I mean, especially I know, uh, people are, it's incredulous that, that none of us have gone to San Diego and they're always like, well, why don't you go there? And, and it's for the same reason because essentially it's the largest, most packed con on earth and logistically it's the hardest. And it's, you know, if I'm going to fly all the way across the country, I want to get hooked up, right? <laughs> it's hard to get hooked up in San Diego because it is very tough to get get hooked up in San Diego. Um, it used to be a lot easier to go to that, and and I know everybody tells the stories of back in the day, back in the day. But like, I'm talking like 2006, 2007, like those years. 
to even 2008, you're still, it was still really easy to decide. Like there were, I think 2007, I think I decided to go like that week, like the week before where I was like, I'm, I think I'm going to go out. Like I got a ticket, got out there, called up some people, got a, you know, we, we, we ended up renting, uh, basically an apartment, you know, across the street. Uh, cause this is back before everybody knew to do that. Like it was like, they kind of had timeshares or whatever. So you could just basically get in there and rent a condo for the week instead of a hotel. And it costs just as much. Um, but now, you know, now to do that's insane because of course, you know, this is right, right before the levy broke, right? Right before the tipping point before actors were out there and there was a red carpet and there was, you know, the whole paparazzi wall and stuff. Now it's, but yeah, back then you could really just decide to go on a whim really if you wanted and get tickets and get in and, I mean, now it's, I mean, even getting a ticket is tough. And, it, and even setting up the last time I set up, it was, it was interesting because, you know, you used to get a sketch list and, you know, you're doing sketches. And, and my, my, my question usually when somebody gets on a list is like, are you here all week? Are you here all weekend or whatever? Right. So I know that I have time because I'm going to have to do this list and I can't do them all today. And San, San Diego was the first time where I started hearing people be like, no, I'm, I can, you know, I could only get a ticket today. Mm-hmm. You know, where you weren't having repeat people over the whole week. You know, it's, it's a real crazy thing. So, and, and I mean, unless now I have a, uh, a hookup, you know, like whether or not, you know, I like, I can get a room from Marvel or, or somebody can hook me up with a room or, I mean, I don't mind paying for the room. It's just getting a room. Like it's, it's right. the only con where it's like, it is genuinely hard to, to get a room anywhere within, you know, a decent distance of the convention. Um, so yeah, it was kind of cool to have the con reach out and, and, uh, invite me out this year. So it's, I'm, I'm pretty excited to head out there with like minimal, minimal stress, you know, it's like, cause usually it's all on my dime. So I've got to go out there and hustle and make that. I mean, just to go out to that convention is thousands of dollars, sure, <laughs> you sure. know, so you end up working just to try to, you know, make that back. I mean, it is, but you got to work pretty hard. So it's not, I know it's you, might, be, you, you might have to do like. Even maybe three sketches. Right? Oh, don't be silly. <laughs> I would only have to do two. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's the point. I mean, and, and again, since you're in the industry and in our, you, you, you finally got the invite, but we, I think we'll, it's highly, I don't know, guys, what do you think? I think it's highly unlikely that we'll, we'll be at San Diego anytime soon. I don't see it. Oh, I think we got the invite for this year, didn't we? We did. <laughs> Wouldn't did that be not, nice? Did you not tell me? Oh yeah, that's right. The San Diego people call uh, my bus. My bus. Yeah. I guess it, I guess cool. it would be interesting to see what you guys would get out of it, you know, because the kind of the the things that I think you guys go to conventions for, uh, you know, which is like kind of hitting up Artist Alley and doing the, the you know jam pieces and the sketches and commissions and things like that. Um, I, I would say probably Vince would enjoy the most because there is a sizable dealer section, right? Like. Nice. Like that part of it, that part of it's still really big. And so you, you could probably definitely go diving, uh, in those crates pretty, pretty nicely. But, um, the artist alley is really interesting. Uh, over the years, it's just gotten smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And, and I, last year, I think it upped its game a little bit because deviant art got involved. Oh, wow. oh cool. Um, so deviant art like got involved financially and kind of partnered up. And so they sponsor artist alley now. Oh, that's cool. Um, but it's definitely not the artist. It's not like you, you know, you're used to other com- conventions. You know, it's, um, a little smaller, a little tighter packed. Like instead of, you know, artists getting six to eight foot tables, every art, you know, they all split 
an eight foot table. So it's like little four foot sections a piece. And so they're crammed in there pretty tight. And, and, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. I don't, that part of artist alley is the smallest part of a, this massive, you know, mile long situation. Um, it truly is a, a beast to walk. Uh, and artist alley is pretty small at the very end. Uh, once you roll through that, it's cool. But the rest of the places, I mean, it's unwalkable. It's crazy. Like, so everybody else you'd want to meet, there's, you know, it's all lines and things like that. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's fun to go experience, right? Because, you know, you have. That's like, what everybody says. Yeah. I mean, you like when Transformers, when the first Transformers movie was getting ready to come out, like they had the full Optimus Prime there on the floor. Like. Right. The full semi, you know, like the, tra- the tra- it was crazy. And then, you know, you'll be why there'll be a giant X-wing, you know, sitting on the f- show floor. So I mean, there's stuff like that that's pretty cool. But I-, I feel like everybody should go at some point just to just to experience it, even if you just go to hit up the con for a day or two and then just hang out in San Diego the rest of the time. Because San Diego is pretty dope. Um, just the weather as far as the weather goes. But yeah, it's it, it's all right. It's 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 OK. I, th- I think the the ship for the peak or our prime for San Diego, I, th- I think that ship has sailed over a decade ago. I I, I remember seeing the, the Rick Geary illustrations for the programs and and when right. reading the recaps and and Comics Journal or Amazing Heroes about what happened at San Diego Comic Con. That was um, the post crisis Secret Wars era. Would probably be ideal, but right. now with all the media, with all the other media, with all the movies, all the video games, now it's crazy. Well, once it became Option City, that that's when I think I felt the the tide turn, and and it became not San Diego wasn't high on my bucket list at that point. Yeah, it's it's tough too, even to do things at night, um, because it's so packed that all the restaurants you know, anywhere near it are jam packed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a lot of the restaurants in the immediate vicinity now are bought out by like companies, networks and studios. Oh, yeah. So like what used to be, you know, like whatever gas lamp pizza is now the Bates motel and they've, they've refabbed the front right, of the pizza right. joint to look like, you know, the Bates motel or, you know, now it's cartoon network diner and, and things like that. And, <laughs> and, and then there's just, there's like a red, you know, there's like a, there's like a red velvet, you know, rope party every night, guestless style Hollywood party at somewhere that everybody's trying to bum rush. And I don't know, the last, the last couple of times I went, the night, t- the nighttime was a little like kind of not as, it was kind of bumming me out because I just wanted to hang out with my friends, but like so many people wanted to like try to get to these parties. You know, where you're, you're sitting on a rooftop, you know, rooftop of some hotel and some actor's party and they're, they've got their movie playing on the screens behind the bar and, and it's just weird. It's just, it's an odd scene. Um, so it definitely is not something like Heroes, right? Where it's like afterwards, there's a real camaraderie of everybody and they're there and they're hanging out and, you know, it's, it's not like that. You know, it's, it's definitely a different kind of beast. Yeah. I think as you know, we, we thought Heroes was sort of the, that last year was my was our, was my first time. David Stu was it was to me the perfect con. That, that thought it was that that's that's the kind of con that I I want to experience and yeah, plan yeah. on going to every year. You know that's cool. So, that's cool. Yeah. Hmm. Well, David mentioned Secret Wars. He did as usual. Yeah, he did. And uh, Mr. Young, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not asking you to divulge <laughs> any kind of sensitive information, uh-huh. but you know things. Let's be honest. I know all the things. Okay, he gets to go to all the retreats. 
Yeah. Big picture. Yeah. Is this a gamble for Marvel? Or is it going to be exciting but not a huge sea change? Is it a risky proposition? That's what I'm asking you. Based on what you know. Well, I don't think – I think that there's a real um, – and this is going to be pretty general for across Marvel and DC in some ways. But, I mean, I, I can't speak to DC that much because I don't uh, – you know, I've never worked there. But I'm going to say this. There is not a whole lot that ever happens on at either company that is giant risks because okay. because everybody's pretty smart. You know, like despite kind of the fanfare of the way that we all get into these things and we kind of like think about how things are going down behind, you know, the behind the curtains, like these things are these things are thought out and planned out like super far, you know. So by the time they get here and everybody's asking questions like, is this a gamble? Like every aspect has been thought through, you know, like okay. every corner, every all the stuff. Right. And and. I think now more than ever, this, the Secret Wars thing is going to be something pretty special because I think the team of creators right now is just rock solid. Like, I think Marvel has some super heavy hitter people, like smart dudes working for them right now, right? Like, sure. Like, more so than we've had in a really, really long time. I think, I mean, Jason Aaron, Jason Aaron, man, he's like a treasure, right? Like, that no dude doubt. is a tr- like anything that that happens that involves Jason Aaron. I, I'm trusting because he is just a he's a treasure, you know. So I think when you got him, I mean, you guys talked to Jonathan, right? Like, yep. I mean, what's not gonna what's not gonna crush when that br- big brain's behind it, you know? Um, right. But just some of the things we're we've been hearing, uh, like the X Men and the Fantastic Four are going to be pushed into their own little universe just to get them away. F- you know the the two properties that they don't control in the movie uh, arena. It's just, it's there's so many things out there, none of which we know for sure. But I just it, it it just seems like a very very tenuous time. But like you said, yeah, it's probably p- planned out. It's just that us being on this end of it, sure. we don't we don't know. You know, the special things that are going to happen. Right. Well, I think that, I think the thing that you, we can always look back on, uh, the history of any of, of things. And when any time that we all seem to be worried, um, we never need to be worried, right? Like, right. Really, when it comes down to it, we all have a lot of fun. And part of the fun is getting everybody worried. Um, I think, and, and some things we probably need to worry about, some things we don't need to worry about. And, uh, I think it'll be fun figuring out which of those is which. Um, but I mean, obviously, I can't tell you much uh, as far as any of the extra super sweet details on that stuff. But I can tell you that, like, for me, somebody who is not like uh, I wouldn't call myself any sort of like authority on Marvel history or you know the big, you know, I, I you're not I'm not going to be sitting around like debating the inner workings of of. Uh, the Beyonder or, you know, whatever kind of deep moral cuts there are. I don't know that stuff. But for me to be in the room and building some of this stuff for Secret Wars, it's been some of the funnest times I've had in, in the years I've been making comics. So it, it, I think it's pretty cool. Like my, like somebody who can get kind of a little bit like glazed over when we get, if things can get too like entrenched in, in certain things, like the, the way that we were building this thing, 
it was, uh, it was super fun, man. I was not, I was really, really perked up and excited and in the mix. So it was, it was very fun to see it all come together. So I, I think everybody's going to have a big, a big, uh, big time with it. Cool. I think it's a great way to refresh the continuity without eliminating it entirely. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I, we'll see, I guess. Damn, he didn't fall for it. <laughs> 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 eh, hilarious. You're going to have to get up earlier than that, Vince. Yeah, I got to try. Oh, snap. <laughs> well, listen. But you, you, oh, go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Vince. No, I was, you can talk a little bit about your uh, special giant size mini marvels can yeah you? giant size little marvel yeah um yeah i mean really what just what it comes down to is like you know we started doing these covers in 2000 2012 i did the first one right um for the uh, avx the avengers versus x-men um i think it was for avengers versus x-men number one right for midtown comics i did the the double spread wraparound and uh that's kind of what kicked off the excitement for this and what i thought would last for about 10 covers is now, you know, I, I think I've done 115 so far. I mean, I've done, I don't know how many are out. I think, I think a hundred of them have come out. Uh, but I'm a, of course ahead of it. But so what I thought would be about 10 has turned into a hundred some and we've just been going. And over that time, I, I was always kind of being like, Hey, like we really should, we should really do like a book of this. Like people really like this stuff, you know? Um, and for whatever reason here, or there, you know, with, uh, certain behind the scenes business stuff, uh, we, we kind of held off, but when this, when secret wars came up and you know, the, the idea of, of behind that came up, um, I think I had, I had literally got to the point where I was, I just had stopped asking because I was pestering him so much like, Hey, one day you guys are going to have to let me draw, uh, you know, a full series with these, these, uh, these kids. Um, so I kind of stopped asking and I think they were like, oh yeah, hey, he's been bugging us to do that. This is a, this is a good time. So yeah, they, they asked me if I wanted to do it. And at the time I, you know, we were still, uh, I was still drawing rocket at the time when we started cooking it up. And, um, uh, it was really just as simple as, you know, figuring out like, you know, in the, in the construct of secret wars, obviously you're seeing that there's a lot of kind of familiar touchstones that we've all seen, right? Like. There's the <clears throat> Marvel Zombies and Age of Ultron stuff or whatever. There's uh, um, Age of Apocalypse stuff. You know what I mean? There's like a lot of the old events that right. we've seen. And because, you know, I was kind of attached to that AVX in a, in a little way, you know, doing that cover, we thought, oh, that'd be kind of fun. And and for me, it gives me an instant story. I mean, not. I mean, it gives me infinite stories, really, because, you know, having school kids kind of picking on each other and kind of, you know, having kind of, you know, the little gangs in your neighborhood, the little crews, like my treehouse is better than your treehouse type stuff. Uh, I think it was perfect just to put the Avengers versus X-Men up. So my book, like, I don't know if you're going to be, I don't know if you're going to be coming to my book to find out like the deep, dark secrets of what's happening <laughs> in the whole secret wars, but it's going to be a blast. It's just, uh, if you like kind of the nature of what I've been doing, with just kind of gags and, you know, like, you know, my covers have mainly been me kind of finding the joke of like, what can I do to kind of poke a little fun at ourselves or, you know, have a little fun with the, with the title or the characters or a costume design or whatever. If you kind of got that, like the comic strip aspect of all my covers, then you're going to, you're going to feel right at home. Cause I'm really treating this like, this is my way of doing, you know, Calvin and Hobbes and peanuts and, 
in uh that kind of thing where my characters are I'm I'm basically getting a chance to use the you know Cyclops in in uh Captain America fighting over whose food cart's the best, you know. Things so that, <laughs> things like that. That's four issues or ongoing? Um I don't know. I don't know yet. Okay. Have they been saying I don't know I don't know what we I don't know what we've Oh, said. I don't know. No, honestly, I don't know if they've said uh, yeah, I'm not sure right now. It's, it's, uh, I've written, I have a lot written so far. I've, I have the first four issues written and I've, I'm, I'm deep into drawing it. So, um, it's, Excellent. it's super fun. Like I said, it's, I think, you know, you're going to have, there's the different aspects of the Secret Wars where you've got some that tie into, to, uh, Battle World and you've got some that tie into, I forget, I forget the labels. You guys probably know, uh, the branding of it, but, um, there's certain things and, and some of them are just going to kind of be fun looks into the, you know, this world. And, and so, yeah, this, that's, that's mine. I mean, it's, I wish I could say that it's, it's, um, it's deeper than it is, but I mean, come on, some comics are exactly what they look like they're going to be, which is, sure. uh, X-Men kids and Avenger kids, uh, beating the crap out of each other for fun. Mm-hmm. We get enough deep. I think we need an oasis from that once in a while. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. for sure. So you, what's, uh, I, I just uh, read issue nine of of Rocket, yes. and uh, I know issue ten I think dropped today, right? Or this it did, yeah. Yeah, 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 it came out today. Yeah, so I didn't see that yet, but but one of the coolest things I think about uh, Rocket, and you know, I was I was uh, I pinged you about this a couple weeks ago, is that you got to have your boy Jake Parker draw mm-hmm. a bunch of issues after you, I guess, uh, stopped drawing it, and uh, that's pretty cool. Did you? I, I presume you pretty much just. Said to Marvel, hey, I, I, I'd love Jake to draw the next arc and he's my boy. I mean, cause I don't think, I don't recall him doing Marvel stuff before that. Yeah, no, he hadn't. Um, uh, yeah, it was really just when we, when we started building the Secret Wars stuff, um, you know, I just, I kind of said to them that I was going to need to kind of come off art so I could get, you know, kind of just my head clear and ramped up. Uh, but I was, you know, at the same time, I was also, I was still new at, writing ongoings, you know, or, um, or just writing a full series, you know? So, um, I was really enjoying that, but I also was finding that, um, if I was going to have another series ramping up and drawing a series and still kind of writing both of them that I knew that at some point I was going to start getting taxed pretty hard as far as just like juggling it all. So I was like, I'm going to come off art a little sooner than maybe, uh, you guys want me to, or, you know, that, you know, that maybe I even wanted to at the beginning, just so I could focus on making sure that I wrote the best stories that I could. And I got, you know, I got ready for the, uh, the secret wars book as well. Um, yeah. And as soon as we did, they were just like, okay, that's cool. Uh, who, who do you think, uh, they know that art, obviously being an artist, they know that that's going to be super important for me. And, and, you know, I've been up there a really long time, so they trust me a lot. They know I'm not going to, um, they know I'm not going to nod towards anybody that's not going to, or that's going to drop the ball or anything. So, um, I was just like, Hey, do you guys have anybody in mind? They said, no, who do you think? So, uh, Jake was my first call, uh, just because he's one of my best friends and I think he's a perfect fit. Um, he's a great cartoonist, uh, great dude. So got him on instantly and, uh, my second choice to kind of go in between with him was uh was um Felipe Felipe yeah mm-hmm. uh which I think I mean they they're completely different artists but I think Felipe is 
phenomenal. Like I think, like it for, for me, Felipe was just uh, Felipe did things that I can't like. Me and Jake are so simpatico when it comes to the things that we do. Like Jake was so awesome to work with because it was the closest thing to writing for myself. And I'm not saying that in the way that he draws it. Hey, fellow 11 o'clock listeners. My name is Gordy Adams, and I'm here to apologize for all the good mailmen who do their job correct every single day. Not the guys that ruin packages on a consistent basis for our good friend David Price, King Dap. So all of you guys out there who get ruined packages, just know in your heart that if I was your mailman, it would never, ever happen. Well, we lost Mr. Young hmm. through the magic of Skype. He has disappeared. Vince asked one too many Marvel Insider questions. I did. Um, we will try to connect with him when he pops back up, hopefully soon. But in the interim, we're just going to do what we usually do, and that's talk about the comics. Yes, the- sir. Jason, you just mentioned you have something to to jaw on. What is that? Oh, I got lots of things. Um by the way, just for uh, behind the scenes, Scotty just said uh, that he's working on it. He's sorry, so it looks like he's having some technical difficulties on his end. But hopefully, we'll have him back here soon. Um, I um, I have to say there there were a bunch of interesting things this week. Um, I wanted to talk about Ultra Comics Multiversity, the newest issue, Ultra Comics. Yeah, but I'm not sure I have the time or headspace to talk about that right now. <laughs> um, did did either of you guys read it? Yes. Vince? Nah, I, I took the advice on the cover. That's <laughs> uh, slick. It, it, first of all, it's, it's, it's written by Grant Morrison, uh, pencils by Mr. Doug Monkey. So, so it definitely, as with every issue of this series, it's, it's visually a winner for sure. Um, this struck me as, as Morrison's attempt to poke fun at all the things people say about him uh, in a very meta way. And, I have to say, I, I found this issue to be interesting, like academically interesting in terms of what he's attempting, but far and away the least entertaining of the multiversity issues that I've read for me. If that makes sense. I mean, like, like I, I'm kind of fascinated by what I, what I read, but I'm not, I, I'm not sure it worked for me from a narrative standpoint. All right. Well, that's what I said about previous issues. Right. And as you know, I didn't agree with you there. Like in the sense that I, right. I, I found most of the other issues to be fairly entertaining and straightforward and, and, and this, this wasn't, um, but, but clearly by design, essentially he's literally, there's a box and, and literally being out of the box is a good thing, right? Which is, I mean, so he's not, he's kind of beating you over the head with that concept. And, uh, the, the construct, the hero is a thing called ultra comics, which is a, which is looks just like Miracle Man, but is a, a created. Uh, it's a humanoid being created by the by the collective consciousness of all of us readers, and he's created from 
uh, inks and pulp and paper and, you know, so, so it's, it's, there's all this stuff going on and, and it's, it's, like I said, it's interesting. I think it's worthy of critical dissection, but lacking in the narrative that the rest of the issues have had, I think so. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 again, I feel like if I was in the right mood, I could do a deep dive on this, but I, I read it and then thought interesting, but I'm just not sure I have the energy to this particular week to dig into what he's trying to get at with this one. How did you feel about it, David? I, I felt that this one was better than the last couple. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Um, huh. oh, because, That's fascinating. Um, Masterman, we, we touched on it briefly. We talked about the art primarily, but, um, Masterman didn't exactly blow me away. Yeah, that was uh, my least favorite. I agree. Uh, the guidebook wasn't bad. The, um, but the, there was the, the Marvel family one, which was okay, but starting off strong and, and having one or two, uh, issues after that, that was fine. And, and then it started to, I guess, lose me a bit or whether it, it just, it feels a little, um, not very cohesive, but this one, um, it anchors galore, but it still looked, uh, visually consistent. And, and I also thought it was visually better than, um, Masterman, but the, uh, the story was, I mean, it was, yeah, I think I, I like the art more than the story this time around. And, and it was, um, it was a little, it, it's, you're right about the whole headspace thing. There, there's, this is one issue I think where I do, uh, that would benefit from rereadings, even, even before the whole event wraps up, um, maybe before the next issue comes out. I, I, I think I will give this one another, um, another run through. It just, um, or, or maybe that's why I liked it a little bit more than you did because of how, uh, how underwhelming Masterman was. Um, so I guess I was just looking for something, uh, anything to latch onto that I, I guess I would consider an, an improvement, but it, um, it, there, there were, of course, you know, the, the, the elbow pokes and the ribs with the ha ha, you get that and, and, uh, and I'm being clever and witty and, and it, it's, I think of, it, it reminded me a lot of the first issue of, of, of the, the issue that, that kicked off this whole thing where mm-hmm. it was, um, and, and a lot of that had to do with the whole, you know, it was because, um, Knox picked up the issue and, and it, uh, and, and so this was, this was the issue where every other issue in the event, um, was telling you not to pick up this issue, put this down. Um, don't, don't turn the page. It, um, it was a, uh, it, it was a, um, it was, it was also a little bit more, it was a lot more comic booky. And it, it, there was, um, the, the little tricks like with the whole, you know, uh, thought balloons make me feel, make me look dated and, uh, and, and how on the same page, four different panels were showing you the character through the generations, through, through the different eras from, from the, uh, the good time, happy go lucky, uh, 30s and 40s to, uh, to the dark and gritty 80s and, and, uh, and, and more technologically advanced eras. It was, uh, it was, I think this was the issue that, that, that there's things to, to maybe 
chew on for a bit. Whereas the earlier issues were kind of just, you could flip through them and, and move the story along. Like, like, like the issue where, where the reality world with, where, where, uh, the, the issue that was probably my least favorite the one drawn by Ben Oliver, where, um, that one was just that, that one I was able to just get through without thinking about too much. And, and if, if I missed anything, then th- that's on me fine, but I just, there wasn't anything to, to keep me entertained with that particular issue. This one, um, I think maybe Morrison might be too cute in some of the things that, that, that he's going for in the issue, but overall I thought it was a uh, better issue than, than the last couple I've been reading. Okay. I think we have Mr. Young back. Get out of yeah. here. Sorry about that. It was, uh, I don't know what happened. The internet just dropped out. I had to do the, I had to really get in there and do some manly stuff, like unplug it and plug it back in. Oh, <laughs> you're such a tech wizard. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. It's all oh, right. We were talking nice. about oh. the distinguished competition in your absence. Mm. What were you going to say, Jason? <laughs> Oh, no, I was going to say that, uh, it's fascinating because we, we didn't, I, I didn't talk about this issue before and, uh, it, it, it's interesting that this one grabbed you more than the last you have and for me it was, it was a little bit of the opposite, but, yeah. uh, but it, one thing is clear, whatever this ends up being at, at the end of it all, it, it's, it certainly is living up to the multi-year billing that Morrison had suggested it would, which is his final treatise on superhero comics. I mean, this is, this is him playing with every angle of, of the, of the comic book storytelling medium that he's always danced around and, and used in a, you know, in his other stories. So, so I, I do think at some point relatively soon after the whole thing is collected, I will go back and reread it all together and, and, and I suspect it'll, it'll have a completely different feeling than reading these issues as standalone products. So, I think there right. you go. So I forget where did we leave off with Scotty? We're talking about it was Jake four and a half hours ago. Was yeah, it was. It was. Uh, <laughs> I think we were talking about we were talking about Jake. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think I was saying that. Do you want me to jump back into it? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jake was the closest that it that I think that I'll ever get to writing, feeling like it was writing for myself, not in the way. That Jake draws like me, but in the fa- in the way that I know him so well, and I I'm so close to him in his art that I I knew exactly what he would do with what I was writing. So it was very easy for me to write that. You know, it was there was no question as what was going to end up there. I was only going to get exactly what I thought plus more. You know, because but it was that that was really cool. And then Felipe was a different side where where with Felipe I'm just a really big fan of his. Um, I just love his interpretation of, of the world. So, um, writing for him was cool. I knew that I was going to be able to do big things and a lot of action kind of sci-fi stuff. And, uh, Felipe was really cool for me because I got back something way beyond what I could have thought. I didn't know what to expect. I knew it would be cool, but I don't know his... I don't know his thought process behind making art. And when you don't know his thought process, just, just because you like someone's style, you still don't know what they do with scripts when they interpret it because you're usually not privy to seeing both sides, right? You just get a 
final product, but you don't see what the intentions were versus what the artist brought to the table. Um, where with Jake, I knew what my intentions were and I knew what Jake would bring to the table. Cause I, e- even if he made his own decisions, I knew where he'd make his own decisions. And, you know, I almost could predict that. And then Felipe came and it was kind of cool because I, I like the way that Felipe draws figures and they're kind of like stretched and almost got that kind of Aeon Flux feel to it. And it's kind of like really kind of long and elongated and strange. And and because that, because he's always done that with like human figures and everything, I really wanted to lean into that. And I think Rocket is a perfect thing for him in that way because it's an eight, you know, there's always going to be alien landscapes and alien worlds. So when he has a style that's, can can slightly alienate people, you know, because it's outside of the box. And I think it fits in and all of a sudden becomes very normal on a book like Rocket, you know, where uh if we put him on an ice planet with some crazy, you know, uh kind of ice ninja tribe people there and they're fighting giant kind of dragony beasts and things like that. I mean, he just fits right in. He just blew my mind. So it was really cool. Like when I got his when I got his pages back, when he started sending me those, man, I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I felt like such a legit writer at that point because <laughs> because I was getting something back that I didn't expect. I didn't know what I was going to get. Um, it was truly a surprise. So it was just like, oh, this is so cool. Um, and then, you know, with Jake, it was just so fulfilling because when he would bring it back, I was just like, oh, it, it was just like watching your script come back home and be like, this is – uh, this is exactly what I and this is amazing and he, you know so it was really cool working with both of those guys uh through this run it was i you know I definitely feel feel very spoiled uh that I got you know the people that I wanted to be with on these books and um uh you know on my first time after uh you know dropping that dropping out on the art and just being a writer on a series it I felt very taken care of on that front by the artists yeah I mean Felipe was the one that I was more curious about because again i mean you know uh I, you turned me on to jake's work uh yeah. a few years ago and uh i loved his anthology that uh was you know his kickstarter anthology that was my yes. anthology of the year two years ago mm-hmm. i think it's too david um so he's a great he's he's obviously a great cartoonist and i agree uh although not 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 certainly not identical to your aesthetic kind of a similar similar you know mind space um but but felipe you know i think it's fair to say um I, I really enjoyed his Miss Marvel work, mm-hmm. um, but I think that it was that was not a commonly held position. I think some people had issue with his style and how it translated to a, let's say, more conventional superhero comic. Uh-huh. So uh, I really was was impressed with how it worked with uh, with with you, your you know with your, with Rocket because again, it, it, it I think if you if people that maybe remember Felipe from Miss Marvel and perhaps even didn't care for it. Um, I hope they don't let that dissuade them from checking out the rocket arc because it, it, first of all, I think it looks different. He, he used a different aesthetic because it was a different setting, but also mm-hmm. I think it's a per, it's, it's, it's perfect for, as you said, I mean, this is a, almost a fantasy setting. I mean, you kind of, you have rocket on this almost Conan like mission with this super hot ninja elf chick that, uh, to essentially save Groot's life by getting some kind of, uh, amniotic fluid from a giant dragon egg. So, mm-hmm. so it's like, um, but, uh, but it was, I mean, I, I've been having a hell of a good time with, with this book, as you know. And, uh, and, and then you got Jake back on the ninth issue, which, um, essentially all I can say is in one scene, we get to see, uh, Rocket fly a super awesome, uh, Robotech jet 
into a giant group monster and he transforms and becomes a mecha mecha rocket <laughs> versus a giant Groot, a kaiju Groot. And yeah. I was like, this is just uh like this is just like this is just perfect. So uh so I I'm I'm gonna I'm trying to figure out how you can strong arm Jake into letting into letting me buy that page because I don't know that he sells his art, but Oh he definitely sells his art. Oh um, does oh, yeah, the just, last page. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, I'll tell him tomorrow before he posts it if you guys, I'll hook you guys up. Uh, I don't, you can go over to his site, just mrjakeparker.com. Oh, okay, cool. I know he has a bunch of art already added to a store, uh, that's, that's sitting there. And then, uh, I'm sure he just finished, he just wrapped, uh, his, the last issue, issue 11. So, um, I know there's a lot of art already up and then he'll, yeah, he, he definitely sells it. So. Right. Uh, which one were you into? The one where he's is it? Is that the wait? Which one? The double spread or which well, one are you talking about? But I'm talking about the all the pages where where he. Uh, I mean, well, in particular, the one where he he turns oh, into the mecha rocket. You right, know, where the, he's standing uh, there with like the mecha yeah. tail and everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I, I, that's been a really fun thing about Rocket. Like, you know, my first arc, I kind of did an arc, right, where I, uh, you know, I told a story and and it was. Uh, it was interesting and fun to kind of get wacky in, in that. But once I, once I wrapped that up, um, I just really wanted to experiment with just getting in and telling adventures, uh, um, you know, for better or for worse, right? More kind of one shots and twos, right? So for the most part, Jake has done kind of one shots and then, you know, Felipe did. I did a little two-parter and that's mostly because I just had fun having those characters run around and to kind of be a little bit more action-packed. So I almost kind of approached that one a little bit more in a manga way where we decompress the visuals a little bit, right? And, and, uh, instead of decompressing the story. Um, and then after that kind of jumped back in, well, I think he did eight and then nine is nine is the Kai. Yeah. Like nine is Jake with the Kai. Yeah. yeah. Grootzilla. Uh, and then 10 and 11 will be to, to come in and kind of wrap it up will be, um, a two parter. So that when we get back into a little bit more of, you know, some, some of the stuff that I, I kind of, uh, proposed at the beginning of, of the, in my arc where, where it's kind of like, you know, he's kind of hung up on where he came from and, and uh, half world and some of that old stuff. And, and right. And is there, it, we we're, we're led to think that there's another, Perhaps another one of his race because he's always thought he was the last one, and then we find out that at least for that was Bucky O'Hare. Uh, that was awesome. Then, <laughs> and then, but, but then at the end of the arc, we we get the hint that in fact there actually is another one of his race, at least perhaps. So yeah, we're getting so, back to that. Yeah, we're gonna go back to that. Like at the at the end of that arc, you kind of see that ship, and and the, I'm I'm heading back towards that direction a little bit, and uh, you're gonna have a little fun there, and and uh, you know, hopefully, again, I kind of. Uh, you know, we'll see what people think of, of where I take that and, and what happens. Obviously, you know, you're not going to see a big tone shift all of a sudden, uh, from what we've been doing for this year, past year. But, um, you know, listen, I, I got to do a book where I, I literally got to have the, the villain unzip himself <laughs> from, that's right. Iraq. I did. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, true, that's yeah, a, yeah. Like that's a straight up Looney Tunes move right there, dog. Like, and, mu- and much love for including all of us, uh, in the book in some way, shape or form. Oh, my, my pleasure. You know, I've, I've, uh, hooked you guys up and, you know, try to, I always try to throw nods to my friends, little Southern Bastards love before Southern Bastards came out. You can see a, a guy wearing a Southern Bastards jacket. Yeah. First yes. one. And, uh, and the arena. Yeah. Yeah. There's an arena. And then, you know, you can kind of th- go through there. I've named a planet, I think after each one of my editors, 
uh, you know, that have been on the book over the last couple of years or the last year. Um, so, you know, it's fun, but I think back did you name, um, in there. did you name a planet Viscardi or was that somebody else? Uh, well, the, no, the Viscardi are aliens in uh black vortex. Yeah, that was, oh, okay. That's what that was. Yeah. I did one for, uh, Ryan, Ryan Panagos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. He, he made it in there, but A-M-M. I mean, he, yeah, his, I mean, his last name sounds like a planet, right? It's like a for perfect, sure. um, so I don't know. It's it's been a, it's been super fun, man. It's uh it's been fun. I didn't expect to have so much fun writing. You know, I always thought like, oh, this is going to be cool to write for myself. You know, that way I can draw what I want. But I, uh, it, I was surprised because I actually got to the place where I was I I was enjoying the kind of I don't know what I was. It was fulfilling in a completely different way that art was. Or the art isn't, you know, sure. like, I mean, art still fulfills me in a huge way, obviously, but it's a whole different thing that happens. Like it's rewarding in a different way. You know, like you have the idea, you write the idea and you kind of like, I just go with it. And then when, when that's done, it's like, oh, that's all I had to do. Like, you know, it's like, it's a lot more freeing in a way because you're kind of left where sometimes when I write for myself, um, especially with rocket or something there where, you know, sometimes writing for yourself, it can be, it can be really great, but it could also, you know yourself too well and you know your weaknesses too well and you will never lean into them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you'll always figure out a way around that stuff, you know, so, um, writing, like stepping away from that, I, I was able to kind of like tell some different kind of stories in some different kind of ways that maybe I wouldn't have leaned towards too much for myself because I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, you know. Um, so it was nice to get Jake and, and Felipe in there to kind of pick up where I'm a little weaker, you know? Nine, the, the, especially with the last page, nine definitely felt like a way you could have walked away from the series. Uh, that was the, that's the Grootzilla one, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel like you could have, right? Like at the very, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. I mean, it's set in the future. It's, it's, yeah. uh, there's, there's something that happens. It, it, it ends on a high note, but it, it's, yeah, there, that's, that's one of those, um, that reminded me of like, you know, the old, the old DC books from back in the day where, you know, it was just the hero with the, with the smile or the tear in his eye. And then, and that, that's it. That's, that's, uh, it, it was, it was almost like a, um, Whatever happened to the man of tomorrow type ending in a way for me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's been interesting with the, with the one shots. I was really just like trying to challenge myself to see if I could like, I don't know. It's like training as well, like trying to figure out how to end stories because sometimes you get like for me being, you know, still being a little bit fresh at this, like I'm taking myself through exercises of ending stories. Um, because it's very easy and I found myself in the first four kind of like diving in and taking them here and taking them there. And then all of a sudden you realize, Ooh, like, you know, I, I, I probably should have had my beautiful mind wall, like Hickman where I've got strings <laughs> and post-its and everything. I, I didn't right? So my last, my last issue of that first arc felt, you know, it was a little tight, you know, like I was like, Oh, I got a lot of things in the air. Even Nick Lowe was kind of like afterward. So he was he's like, how, how's this guy going to get out of this? Uh, but then he was like really happy the way that I did it, but it still was a little crammed more than I would have preferred looking back at it. Um, so kind of like thereafter kind of hitting these one-offs and especially nine, you know, where it's like, 
can I end stories that feels like, yeah, could you walk away from this and still feel like, oh man, that's cool. Like I got a like, story. If, if, if one didn't come out after this, I still feel very, I still very f- feel very fulfilled, you know, but, um, it's been a nice exercise in getting me ready to kind of like know how, what fits in 20 pages, right? Cause that's a, right. it's a weird space of telling stories. I don't know if that, that's a, a thing that's talked about much, right? Because, Whenever we kind of talk to writers or you talk to people, it's usually they've been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's rare that, you know, you guys or anybody will really kind of interview somebody who just started writing, right? Um, so what's not often talked about is really like 20 page increments is a really weird way to tell a story. And then, you know, that over the course of something, if you're just starting out and getting used to that spacing, um, where up to that point, most of the writing that I had done for myself up to that point had been more um, just kind of free flow plot style where I was kind of writing for graphic novels. So I've, I've written a couple of graphic novels on my own that I haven't drawn yet, but uh, there was no page count limit. I would just write until it was done, um, which is a very different animal than kind of like knowing what the spacing is like in 20 pages. So, you know, how do I break a a four or five, six issue story down into 20 pages a piece and feel comfortable with that and then get away with what I'm going to draw and everything like that. So I, a lot of kind of what I was going into with, with the stuff after the arc was kind of like, all right, let's slow down. Let's tell some, let's tell some shorter tales and get myself used to how much space I have each time. And now, you know, now 11 issues in and I'm, you know, writing a one shot for, you know, I've written of other couple side projects during that time and I'm writing, um, writing a project, writing a project with Jim Ma food right now, um, huh. for, uh, for Marvel, um, for the secret war stuff. I don't know if it's been announced yet or anything. I, I don't, I don't know where it's at. I, so I won't, I'm not gonna say what it is, but, um, it's very cool. So because of that, like I've gotten an understanding now of like when I have an idea, I kind of like understand like, all right, so around this page or around page seven, you know what I mean? There's like the understanding of it is a little bit better now. Um, and I feel way more comfortable when, when I first started out, I was like really kind of like, oh, you know, when I wrote that, you know, I wrote a Magneto series, uh, a couple of years ago and, sure. and the different things that I've written so far, it was still me kind of like, figuring out what that space spacing was like. And now it's, it's not, you know, I, I'm kind of like, Oh, I got an idea about, uh, you know, a video game, you know? And so, you know, if, 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 uh, you know, issue nine where I was like, that's where I was just like, I don't know what was going on. I don't know. I was like something about, I was watching something about, I was watching a video game documentary or something, I think. And just, it got me in that mindset of video games, you know? Uh, and I thought, so that really was, you know, me writing a video game, you know, like, uh, and you know, there's the, the, uh, you know, the, the ones, the Felipe arc, those two issues, that's like, I don't know. I just felt like, Oh, remember old Beastmaster stuff and you know, like old, old, like kind of, you know, TNT or TBS movies that would be on Saturday, you know, like those kind of movies that were, there's not really any sort of big deep plot to it, but it's just like a journey and a, battle and some characters and so, you know what i mean like a fantasy yeah. ro- road movie and oh. so that yeah it's like those kind of movies right so that was me kind of being like oh i'm gonna do my play on that and like um i don't know so it's really just kind of like let me get in here or or you know obviously right away when i first pitched group or first picks rocket you know i had to i threw it out of the room at the retreat like has anybody done um 
you know, a whole issue or whatever of, uh, you know, the I am Groot or whatever. And I don't, up at that point, I don't know if it had been done. I think somebody may have done it like in a two issue or like a short thing or, or like a, but I don't know if it had been done like a four thing. So I just wanted to check and see if that was a thing that I could do. Um, and everybody was really down. So that's where we got something like issue five, right? Where, yeah, that was uh, real dope. Cause that was like, um, I mean, effectively it was like a silent issue. I mean, in a sense, in the sense, you know, cause it's just him saying I'm Groot and it, it, yeah. the story is really about what's, it's the visuals of the story because we don't speak Groot. So yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. and that's just like, like that's kind of like the, like, so that's for me. It was like, Oh, I'm going to do a cool silent issue and this is going to give me a chance. And that was, you know, Jake coming on and knowing Jake's strengths and the stuff that we like, like we love adventure, right? Like, and I know one of, you know, Jake's favorite things in the world is Indiana Jones. So, you know, really I was just like, well, Jake's favorite things, Indiana Jones. So I want to write him, you know, how can I write an entire Indiana Jones movie in 20 pages? Uh, you know, and that was my way to do it was like, do kind of basically a 20 page montage really, you know, of, of, uh, and if you look at that issue, it pretty much is that, you know, it's, it's an entire Indiana Jones movie that just takes place, you know, that, that Groot's telling the story. Um, you know, and of course then I have to get in and do a little silly joke at the end. Um, with, I don't know if you guys read it or not, but like the little plant kid who understood it, but, um, anyway, yeah, there was, I don't know. That one, that, it, I felt like when I wrote that, that people were going to either absolutely love it or think that I was the biggest hack on the planet. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, I was really nervous the day that one came out because it, it was the first issue that I really wasn't drawing. I did like the opening couple pages and the last page, but you know, I was kind of a little nervous that I was like, this is a kind of a risky thing for me, you know? And I mean, part of me was a little, uh, heartbroken that I, not heartbroken. I mean, it was fine because it was my choice, but, um, that I didn't draw the whole thing because I felt like that was my favorite issue I had written. Um, but at the same time, I think that Jake just absolutely smashed it and I, I, it was cool to see him do that. And I think it felt like the fact that I did the opening page that, you know, the kind of the book ending pages, it, it kind of went together with the storytelling aspect of it. Uh, where, you know, once the story started being told, it was Jake drawing it, it really felt kind of natural there. Well, that's the thing. Big payoffs usually follow risk, right? So the fact that you were in uncharted waters, that's awesome as a creator. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, it, yeah. It's, it's interesting when the, the risk taking aspect, which is, I feel like it's an uneasy feeling. And I feel like I am sitting in that place a lot, <laughs> but not in a way that people think, right? Like people probably would never equate me with a risk being a risky risk taker, right? Like I don't, maybe I don't know. Uh, I think you are, but I feel like it all the time because I feel like. I'm, I feel like I'm constantly sneaking by everybody. It's staying in this business or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, like doing like the idea that in a kind of heavy, heavy world, like there's a guy who exists that does little kid versions of Marvel covers and he's been doing them for three and a half years is a really weird thing for me. Like it's, it's still very hard to believe or, or, you know, that, that we, so we got a book with a, you know, a talking raccoon to sell the numbers that it did this past year and like that people are really enjoying it and, 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 and kind of in a business that usually doesn't enjoy comedy books all that much, you know, uh, where I right. like, I really thought, I mean, you know, at first I thought that it was going to be pretty risky. My first time out writing a series, 
kind of really leaning into the humor aspect of it. So, you know, for you guys all to kind of enjoy that, it's been a big, huge <laughs> weight off my shoulders because I was really nervous at that. I mean, I think Stegman and, and Jason were on Skype with me those weeks leading up to Rocket kind of being released. And I was, I was genuinely afraid that people were not going to like this. Um, right. You know, and you guys know me well. Like I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm usually not really, I don't think about that stuff that much, you know, like I think maybe I got spoiled. I was on Oz for so long that, you know, just kind of like I just settled in and I didn't really think about that side of the business anymore. And, and this, you know, like it, I, it was like if you were into Oz, you were into it. And so we kind of had our own little clubhouse, you know, that we all existed in. And then kind of coming back out of that was a little nervous because I was kind of like relearning to draw and like trying to draw different things. And now I went from drawing a fantasy world to now space and writing and all that stuff. And I really thought like, Oh my, you know, luckily I, I guess I could cross my fingers that the guards of the galaxy movie was a, is a massive of a hit as it was. Didn't hurt. I think you were less nervous for the Neil Gaiman thing than you were for uh-huh. rocket. Oh, absolutely. I was not nervous at all for the Neil Gaiman thing. Uh, that was. You're a strange dude, Scotty. You are a strange <laughs> dude. It's super, it's super weird, right? Like, uh, the Neil Gaiman thing was, well, you know what? Here's the thing. The Neil Gaiman thing was, he was like a, he's like a blanket, right? He's like a protective, he's like armor. Right, exactly. So yeah, there's nothing, like, like there's nothing to be nervous about that because when he calls you, if Neil, like when Neil Gaiman calls you and says, do you want to draw my book? That right there, that does something to your, like that, like that doesn't make me shrink. That actually makes me feel like Superman. Like, oh, sure. You know, yeah, he hasn't called me in a while, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. Wait. <laughs> uh, so right away for that, you know, for me, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. You know, like this is so cool. But from that point on, I've never, I've never known anybody or met anyone in, in this business so far that was as, as supportive in, in, in collaboration as he was. And by that, I mean, he sent me the manuscript for that novel and never asked for anything. He never asked for a change. He never asked for a specific drawing to be done. He didn't ask for anything to be added. He literally would get things that I would draw and reply back. This is brilliant. This made my day. This is this, this is, and that was it. Like, I, I it was the most, cra- it was the craziest thing. And because, it, because that was going like that the whole time, I just felt protected. Like there's nothing to be nervous about. This is just a fun thing. So I literally went through the, the hardest thing that I had to do with that book was, um, the first time I went through it, I took it with a yellow highlighter and started highlighting the things I wanted to draw. Um, and then I had to reprint out the manuscript and start over because at some point I was like, this is still Neil's book. Like I've got to, I can't draw all this. Like, you know what I mean? Like this, ha- this is, this is a book that's supposed to be read. It's not a comic. And I was, <laughs> I was almost highlighting every sentence, you know, because that's my funny. brain works in a comic book way. Right. So every time I see a, a new action or a movement, my brain is telling me, to draw that scene, you know? So the first time through, I highlighted way too much. Um, but man, what a, what a, that was a, just an amazing experience. And, and, uh, I, I hope you guys enjoy the, the, the next thing we got cooking up. It'll be cool. Nice. Awesome. I still want to talk some more about that rocket raccoon issue. Um, cool. 
where you where you said uh, it's it's just struck struck me as it baffles me that you were nervous, um, but it speaks more towards your perception of the audience. Like uh, most of us base our value judgments on what we know. Uh-huh. We read we read a comic and we immediately make a decision. Yeah, I like this because, or I didn't like this because, and most of that stuff is based on experience, what we believe comic books should be. But the fact that you were switching it up and doing something different caused you a little bit of concern. That's a great place to be as a creator because I personally, I don't think there should be rules. When, when making this stuff, the fact that you wanted to do it in a little different manner, uh, as opposed to what people perceive these comic books to be, you're doing it different. That's a great place to be. And the opportunity that you have to do that and that you took advantage of it, that that's amazing to me. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's it's weird because I find myself like when I guess I look at it like this. Um, when I was on New X Men in 2007, like 2007, 2008, when I did a run on New X Men, and um, like midway through that, like I did like four issues or so, and then I had like two or three left to go, and midway through that, I I just decided, like I had been working in in drawing nights, we had like a drink and draw, and at on, on our drink and draw nights, I I started using this brush pen, and and like drawing a little looser. Um, mm-hmm. so if you go back and you look at that new X-Men run, you're going to see like four issues that are like really tightly drawn, you know, with like a clean line. Um, and you know, just really kind of straight up kind of cell color, um, comic booking. Right. And then all of a sudden abruptly in the next issue, you see like crazy scratchy ink scribbly brush style, like over the course of one issue, like where, <laughs> right. And it just switched. I didn't like yeah. ask anybody if I could do it. Um, I didn't run it by anybody. Uh, I just started turning in pages like that. And, and it, I guess, I mean, it's the same way where it's like, you know, can we do comedy? Can we do this? Or, you know, uh, I, I don't often, I guess I look at it like if I'm going to get paid either way, like I'm not getting paid after it comes out depending on how it turned out, right? Like, uh, I get paid when I do it. So I guess the way that I think is if I'm going to get paid to whether or not I play it safe or whether or not I try something. And again, I don't know if I'm trying things that are super different to the industry, but I'm more talking about something that's different for me. Sure. Um, so whether or not I get paid to do something super safe for myself or something that is a little bit me trying something new, I guess I feel like well, I'm pretty safe in trying something new because I'm going to get paid either way, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, one of the notable things uh, that happened during your – well, one of the many notable things. But I remember back in the day when New Warriors came out mm-hmm. and one of our friends in particular was outraged <laughs> that, that, that you um, took on this depiction, this style of rendering for his – New Warriors. He's like, this is not my New Warriors. This, I don't know what this That's is. This Darryl is terrible. That, that impression is uncanny, bro. <laughs> it's like Daryl's right here. With I do, I didn't want to call him out, dude. You don't I think do we that. all know who you're talking well, about. Well, we do, but those people on the other end of the headphones don't. But anyway, and, and the fact that it didn't look like what he 
believe the new warriors should look like equaled it wasn't good. And we all know it was awesome. It was fantastic stuff. And yes, very different from the new warriors. But if you want the same thing over and over and over, is that's that's stagnation. That's boring. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't. It, yeah, it's always it's always interesting to me when when people um want the same thing. Um. I, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I mean, no, I, I guess I should take that back. I do understand when people want the same thing because people don't like change in general, right? Like, and that, I'm not saying that in a bad way. My dad's favorite sentence when he was alive was to say, like, people don't like change. I don't, he would say, I don't like change. And kind of near the end of his life, the, the great things about him was that he would, he was challenging that, you know, he was like, he was open to move to Ireland for, you know, for a half a year or whatever. He was doing some interesting things because he was kind of like fighting against that nature of his like, oh, you know, like, hey, we don't really like change that much. And it is true, right? Like there are things that I have done or let go in my house because you're just simply like, well, I don't know. My day-to-day routine is pretty solid right now. I don't really want to change it. <laughs> you know? But um, but at the same time as a reader, um, I'm I'm the exact opposite. Like. I constantly want change. Like yeah. that's why it's very hard for me personally to sink into like, you know, an ongoing series as a reader. Um, you know, there's like, you know, it's like I, when I found my little, you know, I find my chunk of X-Men that I read and I got to a place where I've kind of felt like, okay, cool. That was my X-Men. I'm good. You know, or like if I read, you know, I've read some really cool Batman stories, right? Like, uh, I like th- for the longest time after I read Long Halloween, I just never read Batman again. Like because I kind of felt like I read a super great Batman story. Mm-hmm. Like I really, right. I really love that story, and I'm like, I'm cool. Like I'm good. That was a sweet Batman story, you know. Um, and for so for me, if I go back in again, then I don't like I don't want to go back and read another Long Halloween. Um, so, you know, so I, I wait some years, and I then I jump in and I read. Uh, you know, Snyder and Capullo or something, you know what I mean? Where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is definitely not Long Halloween. This is something else. And I, I'm the same way where I want like little chunks of things that are super different. Um, uh, that's why I think it's exciting to see like what's going on in Image right now with the amount of creator own stuff you've got going on over there. And it's, you know, just a lot of different genres and different things like that. And I've, you know, I've kind of felt that way. Like if, if I'm going to start being, you know, I, I guess I spent six year, five, six years on Oz and that was kind of like me doing the same thing for a long time. And luckily each book had its own spin or whatever, but it still was me doing the same thing for a long time. So I'm real determined. I'm very determined after that to kind of keep switching it up. You know, that's yeah. why, you know, people saw like I got on rocket and I drew it for four issues and then people got started getting kind of like frustrated. Like, why are you not drawing this anymore? I was like, you know, I spent six years drawing the same thing. Like that's a long time. Like in six, like, I don't think people realize this sometimes. Like in six years, I watched like while I drew Oz, I watched careers come like grow and explode. Right. Like, I mean, you, you take people like, I mean, what, like Jonathan Hickman in the time I, in the time I was on Oz became like a megastar. Right, sure. like and Jason Aaron, yeah, and Jason Aaron, yeah, like all these guys that that you know, like friends of mine. It's really cool. Um, but look at like in the span of the time that I did one book one way, um, or and I, this can be said for a lot of artists. In the time of in the span of time that I did one book one way, you know, people started brand new careers and then went out and tackled 
you know, Jason Aaron tackled books like, uh, Scout and Spider-Man and Wolverine and Wolverine and the X-Men and, you know, like, you just, like, you could name all these kind of different genres and different characters and different things that he got to play around with and find himself and see what his voice is and tell these different kind of stories. And then for me, while I was kind of honing one side of me, I was getting, like, stuck a little bit, right? Like, but it was great. Like this, this, this is definitely not me complaining because that was an, it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because it taught me how to be, you know, a consistent artist. It taught me how to kind of, you know, get my schedule to where it was like clockwork. There was a lot of things that came from there. And now that I have that stuff, I don't want to let myself get locked in on the art side too long again to where I'm not going to be able to go out and experiment and, and do different kind of visuals. Um, because I think as artists, we have to be careful because we're kind of like, it's almost like, uh, we're like, it's like kind of like we live in a different time cycle than the writers get to, right? Like, it's almost like dog years or something, you know, like for every year that goes by, we're like, we're kind of, we're, we've, we're gone or it's like time's going a little slower for us because we can only work on that one book, you know? Well, yeah. Um, you bring up, I mean, you're, you're getting at something I wanted to bring up before you got disconnected, which is, uh, this, um, you know, you, uh, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're friends and buddies with, with Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, more recently Latour. And one of the things that I, that I, I, I love about the idea of the, the writer artist, you know, like the, is that you guys get to, you just, you just mentioned it. You're, you're, regardless of, of how productive and how creative an outlet illustrating is, it is self-limiting in terms of you can only draw so many pages. Yeah. In a given month. And so essentially, I mean, everyone has different speeds, but effectively you're limited to one interior book a month, you know, in general, uh, give or yeah. take it. And then, you know, I know you could do some covers and stuff. And so that, that's kind of it, you know, and, and I know that that's the same holds true with creator own stuff. I mean, it's until we've had this, this latest image revolution, mm-hmm. I think it was a much riskier proposition for, for an illustrator to make the leap because they only, if they made the leap, that was it. If, if the indie book didn't, if the creator own book didn't succeed, they weren't going to have an income. Whereas, you know, yeah. you, you could, you could write at Marvel and DC and write your own book. Um, but, but the thing, you know, so the, the question I have is, is it seems like for guys like Kent and Lemire, um, they've really transitioned quite effectively to writing a bunch of books on the regular and then mm-hmm. also still finding time to draw one for, for themselves. Um, I mean, do you, do you envision, I mean, in a, in a perfect world, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you do live a charmed life, so I'm assuming this will work out for you. Uh, do you, do you envision a scenario <laughs> where you're writing, you know, three, four books a month as a writer and, and then just, you know, and then drawing, you know, a book that's either your own or some, for something else? I mean, is that how you would like your career to evolve from here? Oh, absolutely. And that, that stuff is in the works right now. So for, so for me, I've got this series, you know, my current giant size little marvel that I'm working on for the moment, uh, alongside of I Hate Fairyland. So these two are kind of working together right now. Um, and then, you know, soon one will be able to kind of breathe a little bit on its own. And once that happens, then, um, uh, we, I mean, we won't tell say a title or anything, but Brent Schoonover and I, um, Brent's had a project that he's kind of been kicking around for a long time. And, uh, you know, he and I are really, really good buddies. And, uh, you know, I've been there kind of watching him kind of chip away at this thing for a while. And, uh, a couple of months ago, you know, I've always loved it. And I was just like, dude, you know what? 
if you wouldn't care, man, I'd love to kind of jump in on this thing and help build it with you and whatever. And so we kind of, we kind of threw around some stuff and yeah, we're just, uh, so we have a, we have a project that we're going to do together. Um, it's going to be just awesome. I think Brent, Brent has leveled up so hardcore over the years. Uh, and again, he's a buddy, you know what I mean? Like, you know, a lot of times we, you know, people get thrown together on things, but man, there's nothing cooler than just like really being super creative and building these things with your friends. Cause you know them, you know what I mean? And at the, when you know somebody that well, it's, it's really easy to get makes, make stuff together. So I've got that going. Um, uh, there's another guy that, uh, artist, uh, for the UK called, uh, named Craig Knowles. Uh, he did a little tank girl thing recently, like a little tank girl short, but, uh, if you look his, uh, his stuff up, Craig Knowles, he is just phenomenal. And it, that was simply him like tweeting one day, like he was like, Oh man, I had so much fun doing that tank girl thing. I'd love to do another comic. And, uh, I was like, I'll, I'll write something for you. And, uh, he was like, Oh, let's do it. You know? So, um, luckily like I've, I'm in a position where, uh, I know a lot of artists and I, I, I feel like I have pretty good taste in artists. So, uh, we all get buddy, yeah, buddy, with- <laughs> <laughs> we get buddy, buddy with each other and then we just start kicking around ideas. So my hope is to, yeah, like, uh, like in the next couple years, my plan for myself is to, I want to at least do one creator own book of mine a year, if not two, you know, but I'm going to try, I'll probably stick to more, you know, five, you know, five issue, six issue things. Um, again, because I want my, I want to build my catalog. I want to tell some stories, you know, I want to like right now I'm telling, I'm doing, I hate fairyland, which is, you know, kind of an Alice in Wonderland meets tank girl Lobo type situation, right? Like just kind of wacky, violent, cartoony stuff. And that's going to be fun. Um, and that thing has that, I, you know, I have two or three volumes mapped out for that. Uh, depending on how numbers go and if everybody enjoys it. Uh, I mean, if everybody, if the numbers blow me away and I'm, I'm pretty, you know, if that's looking like it's thing, then I may jump right in and do a second volume to follow that up. I'm not sure yet, but you know, I also want to tell like, you know, I've got like, uh, like a teen comedy, you know what I mean? Like I want to tell something more, a little slice of life teen comedy style. I've got kind of, you know, I've got a bunch of different genre stories mapped out that I've built over, over the years. Um, that now that I'm finally have that confidence and that experience and kind of like, uh, the, the, the understanding of the schedule and everything that I'm going to jump in and do that. Because I, I think that's what we, I think that's what you have to do. If that's, if you have that desire, you know, there's, there's been a thing that's gone around a lot lately for artists about credit. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people have been talking about like artists not getting as much credit or, you know, you know, you don't hear as many podcast interviews with artists or you don't see as many interviews on the news sites with artists. And, you know, you, you, you know, it'll be so-and-so's book, but it'll, it's always the writer's book or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about that in the last couple of years and the frustration. And I, I understand that. Um, I don't think that it's um, a conspiracy or anything. I don't think that anybody's being malicious about it. I think it's a simple mathematical problem. Which is, uh, they are visible weekly and we are visibly once monthly or we are visible once monthly, you know, so it's, it just comes down to eyeballs and how much we're seen. And so because, you know, if Jason Aaron writes 
six books this month, he's going to be seen six times, meaning he's going to get six reviews. He's going to get six more times interviewed. He's going to, you know, like all these things are going to be in multiples of however many books he's writing a month versus, you know, if you are on the same book for two years, well, they're not going to interview you about that. You know what I mean? Like when I first did Oz and Oz was selling great, there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of buzz. Six years later, there was not a whole lot of buzz. Like everybody right, that right. wanted to know about Oz knew about it. So I think the thing is, is, you know, and I, I never looked at it like being frustrated that, you know, where the credits do or like it needs to be more focused on artists or whatever. It really just came down to me trying to decide like, well, I can't, I can't change the, the, I can't change the game. I can only change my plan, my, my game plan. And my game plan had to be like, okay, well, if I want to be seen more, then I need to figure out how to be seen more. And if I want credit in certain ways, then I have to go out and ask for it. I got to go out and demand it and I got to go out and take it. Um, you know, and, and hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm, I'm decent at it, you know, when I do it. And if not, I, I think the consumer and the retailers will tell me. Uh, but I think, you know, when we, when we talk about, um, you know, writers or artists jumping out and trying to do, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, Latour and Lemire and Matt Kent and, you know, Kari Andrews. And there's, you know, there's, uh, I think, you know, uh, Ryan Brown and you, you know, you're seeing a lot of artists starting to go out and, and not only write and draw their own stuff, but write for other people and things like that. I, and I find it, it's always an interesting thing when people get surprised a little bit where they're like, or you'll almost, it's almost like talked about negatively in a way when it's like, well, I don't know. I always like their art, but we'll see what happens. As if like, it's interesting. And th- not saying this in a bad way, but it, for me, it's like, if you really think about it, like all of us, writers and artists, right? We grew up wanting to make comic books and some of us could draw and some of us, some of us couldn't, but we all wanted to tell stories. And somewhere along the line, the writer, when they first started said they're a writer. And from that point on, Everybody just says they're a writer, right? Like, like they didn't do anything ex, like, uh, in, 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 I mean, outside of after that, they have to prove themselves as a writer. But if I got in early as an artist or Jeff got in early as an artist or anybody gets in early as an artist, it wasn't to ever say that they couldn't write. It's just that that's what job they got first, right? But it's, I, I think, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about, I, I, I think I, I've, hmm. I don't want to say I disagree with you, but I will say that I think there is a a, a little bit of a difference here. And, and I guess to be fair, the difference I'm going to highlight you you're, you're, you disprove that a little bit. You're an exception to this, but like in Lemire's case or Kent's case, mm-hmm. they came on board as as writer artists, right? I mean mm-hmm. Essex County, I mean Kent's, you know, Pistol Whip and Super Spy, like they they just did their own book. They wrote and drew it, right? And even, right. frankly, I mean, like, Bendis did that, right? I mean, and, and so did Hickman. So, like, they kind of just said, listen, I'm going to put a work out. And so it's, it's, I guess for me as a, as a consumer of this stuff, it's easier to buy into the notion that they can write for someone else because I already know they can write, if you know what I'm saying. Right. Whereas, like, and I don't want to put anyone on, on blast, but if I'm being fair and we've talked about it on the show there are, in particular, DC seems to the last few years have almost seems like a perk, like given artists like cartoonists mm-hmm. that have drawn comics, but not written anything for 10, 15, 20 years of their career, given them, all right, you're going to write this book too. And personally, 
I have found most of those experiences as a reader to be very disappointing where I, sure. I, I read it and think this dude really can't write. I mean, he doesn't grab me. So I, I, I think readers have it, 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 while I think you're right there, maybe there's a little bit of a stigma. I think part of that has been borne out. I, I would say more times than not guys that are big two superhero cartoonists first and foremost have not generally had a great track record when given the chance to write a book. Whereas guys uh, have come up with their own stuff sure. and written their own stuff and kind of cut their cut their teeth on that seem to be coming from a different place. And again, I, I I'll throw you out there as I mean, you could argue that you're an exception to what I'm saying because you know you started drawing big two stuff before you ever wrote something. But but I I don't know like and and again I don't want to put people on blast. No, I'm, no, I'm I stay positive. But I can think right. like as I'm saying all this in my head, I can think of five or six guys that I would say are top notch, presumably a list cartoonist at the big sure. two over their careers, but I, I don't think they can write their way out of a paper bag. So you sure. Know. But yeah, I think that there's a, I think there's a history of both. And I, I, I actually agree with you on that front as well. I think there's a, I think there's a middle ground and I think that there's a, I think there's a middle ground on all fronts in that. I think that exactly what you said about, you know, those artists turn writers that didn't hit it out of the park. I mean, the same could be said for writers who start out just writing and don't hit it out of the park, you know, but we yep. still, but we still call them a writer, you know, like, and we'll still, we'll still like, I mean, I, I've listened to you guys' show since the first day you guys have put them on and I've heard you guys, you know, buy the same writer stuff, uh, you know, or read the same writer stuff a lot when you did not enjoy it in different title after different title. And, but because they were called a writer, it's like there's a weird thing in in your head, right? It's like, and this isn't. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try to think of somebody kind of fairly recently, like, let's say like uh, Justin Jordan and Trad Moore, right? Mm-hmm. They they come out with Luther Strode. Now those were two newcomers to the business. Sure. Um, all we knew is that Justin Jordan wrote and Trad Moore drew. We have no like because they're so new. We kind of book, but you don't ever know. Like they're so brand new because Justin was the writer and said he was the writer. Past that, we're like, you know, he'll get books on this, he'll get books on that or whatever. And that's cool, right? Because people like what he did. But we, but all of a sudden from that day forward, if Trad ever wanted to write, even though we don't know if he can or not, like, always, even editors are going to be like, um, I don't know. But it's weird for me that that would be the thing, right? Because I think from an artist standpoint, I have read way more comic scripts than most writers have, right? Like the sheer amount of scripts that I'm reading. So at some point, like I'm going to pick those things up after 15 years, right? You're going to be like, mm -hmm. you're going to start understanding those. And again, listen, just like all things, like everybody's going to not going to, I think everybody's going to try something out and it not work or, or, you know, there's going to be things. I mean, I mean, it's not like, uh, I'm not at all saying the first things that I wrote were home runs. I don't think my Magneto series was fantastic. I think there was a lot of problems there. Uh, I think there were some cool things in there and I think there were bigger problems there. Uh, but I was trying things out and you try it and you wing it and you miss and, and you, you get up and do it again. So I think there's times, I think there's people, like you said, I think there's ones that have tried and it didn't work out that well. I think, I think, that, I mean, if we look back, I mean, I think get was Giffen an artist first before he drew. I don't, I mean, I know he's drawn. Uh, I mean, if we go back even that far, right? Uh, yeah, I believe Giffen was a an artist first, yes, right? And then, and then you got like, was Frank? Did Frank Miller draw before he he wrote? Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm using pretty big people. There. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> but I'm saying, like, it, it, this isn't a blanket statement over all that. It was just kind of me saying, like, my thought process behind, 
you know, over the last couple of years of me deciding what I was going to have to try to do, not saying like, I'm going to do this because I'm super talented. I need to get out there and prove that I'm super talented. It was not that at all. It was going, I think the next step for me to learn is the writing side. And, and, um, I feel like I've got a lot of stories in me to tell. And I think that I know how to tell them, uh, fairly decently. And I, and I want to learn how to do that better. Um, and the only way to, for me that I've learned how to do that is to actually do it in uh, up on the stage, uh, and put it out and feel that panic and put it and give it to you guys and have you guys beat it up or like it or whatever. Right. And, and, and then go back to it and try to do it some more, but it's been, it's an interesting thing because I do think that we are moving into a place as, uh, the artists that, um, we're going to have to all figure out like where our spot is. Um, because the, you know, the, the kind of the, the thing that's been going on over the last couple of years, again, you know, like it, it frustrates me too, right? Like, even though it frustrates me for people, I've been super lucky in that, like Oz, I did not do Oz alone. Eric, Eric adapted that. Like Eric busted his ass on that book. Um, but I also had a lot of people that would refer to it as, my book, you know, but I think mostly because it was an adaptation. And so people just would kind of feel that way. But I think Eric was, uh, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do that on my own. Um, because I, I, I don't know how to break it, things down like that. You know, I don't, uh, and Eric is such a, such an expert on that stuff. So he was such a big, he was such a massive part of that, but I got really lucky in that. But I do think that, you know, like recently, uh, you know, Joe Kelly in uh, Ken Numara's, um I Kill Giants was optioned or it got just got fine. It was an option. It got financed. And so it's actually going to get made now. Uh, and they made, they had a, the Hollywood report. I think it was the Hollywood reporter or variety. One of them, I think maybe the variety did a, you know, did a piece on it and it was just Joe Kelly's graphic novel. I kill giants, uh, which is, which is too bad, right? Because uh, Joe Kelly is a monster and he's awesome and and i and he is absolutely a supporter of uh of artists and and collaborators and um and and to his credit uh you know we we actually talked about it pretty quickly just you know he he and i were chatting about something completely different and they had their publicists on it really fast because he's not going to let something like that slide but it was like it was too bad that you know that's kind of where we are where you know a book that who, what I feel like visual style was a real selling point of a story that was amazing, right? One of my favorite books of all time. Um, and, and, and when talking about the movie actually finally getting made is not mentioned, um, is it's sad, right? And that's kind of like where we've, we've come because again, that mathematics, the mathematics of it all are, they point towards it kind of being a writer driven industry. But to that saying that, I won't don't I I kind of encourage artists to not let that bum them out. Like we have a voice too, right? Like I think we shouldn't like, kind of wait around and wait for news sites to come and interview us or you know don't wait to be knighted by anybody or somebody else to give you permission <laughs> to get the credit that you want, you know what I mean? Like go grab it. You know what I mean? Like go wrestle it the fuck out of people's hands if you want it, you know? Um and, and it might not work. I don't know. You know what I mean? But like, I, I'm definitely a person who like, if, if you don't ask, you might not get it. And the worst thing that happens if you ask is somebody says no. Um, so I, I think something that people don't know sometimes is like, you know, my first, my first years in this business were not waiting around like, 
I like I sent more emails to Newsarama and, and comic book resources and the beat to get interviewed than they ever sent me in the beginning. Um, I was just all the time emailing like, Hey, let's do an interview. You know what I mean? And I mean, I don't, even when podcasts started popping up, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'll go get on this thing. This will be fun. And this will be cool that, you know, you just kind of get out there and you do a thing. And I think that's the way that we can get known or get heard or get seen or remind, remind people that we're out there because like you said, we can only draw one book at a time a month, you know, most of us. And, um, we have to do those other things to kind of stake our claim. And, uh, you know, I've done it. I've done as much things as like back, you know, at times where I talk to a writer that, you know, if we're going to do something together, you know, I know, uh, Zeb and I, when we did new warriors, we, we, that was again, whether or not this was cool of me to do, I don't know, but Zeb and I were close friends when we pitched that book together. And at the beginning I was like, Hey, I'd like to make sure that if either one of us get interviewed about this, we do it together, you know, like, so all interviews, we do it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, for sure. And so every time one of us would get email requests for interviews, we'd say, sure. And then we'd CC the other person on it. And we just made sure that we built like that, you know? So from that point on, it just felt like Zeb and I's book, you know? Uh, and it wasn't just Zeb's book or it wasn't just my book. Um, and I think that's just as easy as just saying like, hey, you know, like, how do we build this together or whatever? I'm probably rambling way off topic of what the question was, but. No, well, look, I, I think one of the things, cause, cause, uh, this has been talked about on our show and other shows over the years too, and I agree, it seems to like, it seems like there's a little bit of a mini push right now about this idea of, of, of artists not getting their, their credit. Uh, I know Declan's been, like, Declan Shalvey's been calling people out on Twitter a lot about it lately and stuff, and, and he's a good buddy, but, but one of the things I think that, um, and, and I like to think it's one of the reasons that our shows managed to, you know, get and stay popular is that, um, a lot of times uh, the language of speaking about art in comics is more challenging for, sure. for, uh, for podcasters or for people. And it's not so much, look, I, if you're a comics fan and you're going to have a comics podcast, you obviously love art, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no one becomes a comics diehard because they like to read. I mean, you know, right. like, like it ha- you have to love the imagery, but, but I think that there's a, uh, there's a, a a challenge to discussing art beyond the simple I like that art I don't like that art and mm-hmm. and and actually you know I, I went on a little rant a month or two ago uh on the social media saying that it drives me nuts when when people fall on the art is subjective crutch from a from a from a purely aesthetic standpoint of course art is subjective mm-hmm. I, there are artists that I don't resonate with that Vince and David love and vice versa and and that's that's totally fine. So I don't mean to say that there isn't a subjectivity to the aesthetic part of art, but but there are specific things that you, as a cartoonist in a sequential storytelling medium, are tasked to do. There are components mm-hmm. to. We can objectively evaluate lots of components of your of your craft and say whether we think you're doing a good job or not necessarily so and critique that. And, and again, it doesn't mean that you, you as the creator may agree with the critique, but we can speak to it on a level beyond, I don't like that. Or I like that. And someone says, Oh, well you just, you know, you're a hater. Oh, you, you, you it's just not your style. It's, it's, it, it does go beyond subjectivity. Again, the use of lighting, the use of coloring, spacing, shadows, you know, framing a sequence, you know, all these things are, 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 are tactical and, and, and an objective, you know, you, you can, you can be objective about it in many ways. And it is something that, but I think the issue is it's, it's uh, a lot of people find it a challenging to talk about that stuff and b, um, 
I think since most of us that do that, it's easier to talk about the plot of a book than, than a lot of people don't feel like they're even equipped or, um, have the right to dissect the artistry of a book because, you know, if they're not an artist, like Vince is an artist, so he probably feels more comfortable talking about, uh, the specifics of a particular, uh, you know, artistic choice than, than, than many. But, but, but at the end of the day, I think though that there, so there is a, a little bit of a distance between the average person that's talking about comics and their understanding of how to speak about art sure. versus just, I like this plot or this part of the plot makes sense to me versus not. And, and so, I, I totally get the frustration of, of the artists on that front, but I also think that, um, that it, it's, it's up to the people that critique comics to push themselves on that front, but it is, it's not as easy to do. And so I think that's why you see it's yeah. unintentional, but it's, 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 it's not even, I don't want to say it's lazy, but it's just, I think it's harder for people to critique the artistic side of comics, um, with a consistency than, than to just again say, I don't think this plot point makes sense. Well, yeah, that, yeah, that makes, great. I mean, yeah, that makes, that makes sense because I mean, I guess, I guess you could look at it the same way as movies, which I'm sure Gabriel, if he's listening, is probably flipping, you know, he'll, he'll just be flipping his lid because he doesn't like to make movies and comics the same. But I'm just saying the way that we look at them in that I can talk about the plot of a movie be, you know, the, the plot holes in a movie. And I could probably talk about that maybe longer than I could talk about the acting of the movie, but, but I can still talk about the acting of the movie without in various ways, without me knowing that I I mean, I don't know. I'm not an acting expert, right? But if acting comes off as me and I think sometimes maybe when I hear reviews of art and stuff, maybe it's too focused on the reviewers or the people discussing it or critiquing it, thinking that they need to actually critique the craft of the art, meaning like the technical aspects of line drawing versus they could also talk about what the visuals did, which I, again, I, I'm sure people do, which you guys do, which is like, well, while this was beautifully drawn, the characters did, you know, the, some of the acting was in, in the same way or the personalities weren't there. Or, you know, sometimes I, when I, when I, I mean, there are, there's a few like very big artists that I think are just incredible artists that I think miscast their characters, which is an interesting discussion to be had. And, um, I mean, I, I won't name any names, but I mean, I really feel like there are times where I look at characters that think, man, this would be so amazing if they would have cast a different character here. That has nothing to do with their ability to draw good or bad. It's that they, to me, pick the wrong actor to play that role. I would have believed this whole story more had they, had they had a character that was slimmer or bigger or shorter or taller or a little frumpier or, you know what I mean? Like all these kind of things. To me, that's also art discussion that has nothing to do with what kind of pen I use or what kind of, you know, do they use watercolors versus gouache or whatever? You know what I mean? Like those kind of things. Yes, that stuff's about art and the making and the craft of art. But I think there's a whole nother aspect to it that we kind of forget or it's also involved with art, you know, like – which is weird because you become kind of like you kind of as an artist you kind of kind of become a catch all right you're like you're the light you're the lighting guy you're the you know you're the you're the cinematographer you're the director you're the casting you you kind of like all that stuff and it's all aspects of art which I think is interesting to discuss which you know if I if I read a book where I'm like this kid's supposed to be bullied a lot but this kid looks so cool and he's dressed to the nines like i don't feel like this kid gets bullied ever right like that's a casting decision that i think somebody made when they were designing the book and 
and I feel like as good as they might be able to draw, they just miss, they just miss that mark a little bit, you know? And so here I'm kind of talking about a book where I'm, I mean, I'm like real quick where I don't think like, I, I think a lot of people could be able to talk like that, um, and not ever need to know how something's drawn. And I think that maybe that's it where they, like people think if they talk about art, they have to have to critique it. You know, they have to critique art and maybe they like, if they don't know what good art versus bad art is or how to talk about that, I don't think that necessarily has to be just that, but um yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't actually know Declan was, I haven't, I have been so un Twitter involved. So I didn't actually know Declan was kind of talking about the same thing recently. It just seems to be kind of in the zeitgeist lately. Like, as I'm like, you know, on Skype or hearing people or, you know, reading things on Facebook, like few people here or there or movies get called out. It seems like to be a little thing floating around about the credit thing. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know that there is an answer, uh, other than, you know, kind of looping it back around to, you know, like what some of my decision was to kind of go out and try to kind of expand a little bit was being like, well, if I only draw one book at a time and just do that, then, you know, it's going to take me X amount of time to achieve the things I want to achieve. And I, you know, I don't think I'm going to live, I won't live that many (laughs) billions of years. Right. Like, because just, if you just sit down and look at it, like every time an artist makes a decision to do a book, you know, it's like, you know, if they decide to do an image book, like say, you know, Rob Guillory on Chew, like, they decide to do Chew and he's been doing Chew now for, you know, they're, they're heading into their last section, right? Like they're in the forties or fifties at this point or whatever. And like, he's been doing that book a long time, right? Like that's a huge, like that, like that dude had like all his kids, right? Like he started Chew as a dude, like just a bat, like a guy. And now he's like a straight father a couple times over during that time. Like mm-hmm. that's a crazy measurement, you know, versus, like, you know, something else. So, you know, anybody else that can go out and tackle all these other things. So I think that's where it comes down to where it's like, I, I'm not willing to wait for other people to come along and kind of say, uh, what I can do next or whatever. I'd really rather try to kind of like reach out and grab it and have them slap my hand if I reach too far or, or, or you know, try to find another door to sneak in or whatever and see what happens and hopefully get better at all the stuff along the way. But, um, it's it's an interesting world out there, I think, uh, with with artists and where what we can do, and I, I think it's exciting to see what some of these. There's a lot of artists out there that I would love to see kind of take the reins and see what's in their head, you know, because of just of how much I like the way. I think when you see an artist with a super like super unique style to them, I feel like you know they got some shit in there they want to tell, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel like it's just itching to get out. So I think it's, I think it's kind of cool. I'm hoping that with kind of this image boom and this explosion, you're going to see a lot more kind of people jumping over and, and, and we'll see what, what they have to have to say with some of that stuff. So nice. Speaking of image, uh, mm-hmm. you want to, you want to drop some science on folks for I hate fairyland and, uh, you know, what to expect. I mean, I guess I didn't realize, but from our conversation, I guess I, I, I had to assume this was, was a, a, a a longer running sort of ongoing, but it sounds like you're thinking more like a kind of a Mignola model. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I have Mignola model in my head. Like at first I was going to like, I have it, I have the first five written my first arc. Um, so I have the first five completely written and I'm, how many are drawn? Uh, a couple are drawn, but we're, we're going to be out in fall. So I've never, I've never shipped late on a book ever. So 
<laughs> but, um, but because like lately, the more that I'm thinking about it, like I really have, I definitely have a follow-up story. Um, I actually have two follow-up stories, so I could have easily a nice, perfect three volume story. Um, you know, my first arc is going to be five and I think my second two arcs will be four, four or five, you know, depending on what I need. Um, and again, again, it's my book. So if it needs to be longer, I'll go longer. If I want to go short, I'll go short. It's, that's kind of the awesome thing about the image stuff, man. It's just like throwing the chains off. Um, so like I was thinking that I was thinking much shorter, but, um, I have those two locked and loaded. So whether or not I do them back to back to back. Uh, or, you know, th- there's that, if the numbers do well, um, then I'll definitely ride, ride those back to back. Um, and depending on how that happens, we'll see if it not, then I will just stagger them where I would do, you know, my first volume and then I'll go tell, you know, I'll do another four issue thing of my own, another, you know, a, a different story. Like I said, like I've got like kind of like a little super bad type comedy, uh, that I've got cooked up and, and, you know, do that and then go back and bring that back, you know, uh, later. I mean, what I'd really like to do is hammer out about two, four to five, you know, between four and six issue things a year, um, you know, year to year and a half. Uh, that way I can try to get like two, you know, trade paperbacks out, you know, between a year and a year and a half as I keep going. So I'd, even if I didn't do them back to back, they'd be, you know, staggered pretty close to each other anyway. So fingers crossed that everybody really has a fun time with this and it does well because, um, I'd really, I'd like to have, it'd be cool to have a couple volumes of, of, of something out and, uh, it's, it's been, uh, it's going fairly quickly for me. So I don't think that it'd be, it won't be super taxing to do that stuff back to back. And I like, I like the momentum of it, but, um, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of the nice thing about the image stuff. I, I want to make sure that. Um, I don't know if it's me playing it safe or not, but it's just like, you know, I want to make sure that it, uh, works for people. You know, I'm not, I think sometimes we in comic books, because the nature of our business is to, you know, hunker down and just stick with the thing and, you know, keep it going. Uh, I want to make sure that it works first, you know, like I don't, you know, I don't want to get, you know, to issue eight and it, you know, dip below a certain number. And at that point, you know, nobody's making money, but it has an issue 12, you know, <laughs> like it, like I don't want to end up like, I don't want to do that. I, I'd rather tell like, get in punchy stories, have a lot of fun quick. And if everybody's having fun with me, then we'll keep going. Um, but I think we all know the business well enough to know, like it's, you know, it's, there, there's a, there's a, there's kind of a science to the numbers, right? Like once, you know, if you launch at this number, you can probably predict what every issue is going to be by the, you know, through a 12 issue run. Um, there are outliers, of course, you know, uh, you know, books come along that, that, you know, witches or, you know, saga or these books that come along and just have like massive numbers, you know? Um, but so I'm just kind of playing it by ear to start with. And again, I think that's nice. I think it's cool to be able to have like a story in my, in mind and then not, not kind of obey any kind of comic booky rules of being like, well, we got to launch, uh, things going to be 60 issues and you know, like, uh, it could go 60 if I wanted to, but I'd rather kind of, I want to tell the best stories I can and basically act like, uh, I'd rather tell short bursts and act like it's never coming back and get it all out. Like, uh, sometimes we, me and Jason Howard talk about this all the time. Like 
don't save the cool shit. Like that's our kind of motto. Like if you got an idea, do it right now and then make another cool thing later. Like sometimes, uh, when I first started coming up with ideas, um, I started mapping out stories and then I would save the really cool stuff for like way down the road because it's like, I'm going to build it and then I'm going to buy this time and then this. But then I was like, God, the whole reason I wanted to tell this story in the first place is because of that really cool thing. And I've got that really cool thing happening at like issue 20. Like, but I'd rather do that thing and that really cool thing in issue two and then come up with like a cooler thing for issue. Like, so that's kind of where I'm at. I think for Fairyland right now is just get in there and make it, make these kind of arcs as, as cool as I can and as fun as I can and like entertain myself as much as I can right then. And then hopefully that'll be the thing that has everybody, uh, hooked in and we all can go have some more fun with it, you know? I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, me too. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, I think that, I think it's cool that I mean that Hellboy model is super cool, right? Like I know we all call it that. It's not like an official model, but like I think it's I think it's a really as for coming from an artist, and obviously it's a model built around uh, you know a writer artist. Uh, it's cool because it gives you a chance to be like, hey, get in right now while I'm telling this story. And then I'm going to take a breather. I'm going to reform. I'm going to get the next one ready. Uh, and then we're going to punch it really hard again. So we're going to hit the gas and then we're going to, everybody's going to breathe for a minute. Then we're going to hit the gas. And, and I think, I don't, I think that has to be expected if, if somebody's writing and drawing their own stuff. You know what I mean? Like there's very few people that I, I, I know of that are just going to be able to hammer out month in, month in, month, you know, of doing all their own stuff, not to say it can't be done, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't, it, 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 I think it's kind of becoming a little bit more the norm. I mean, the fact that we do refer to it as the Mignola model, the Hellboy model or whatever is showing that it's a thing. I think, I think Kelly Sue and, and, um, and, um, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting her name on uh pretty deadly? Oh, Emma Rios. Um, Emma Rios. Yeah. Uh, I think Kelly Sue and Emma, you know, uh, basically kind of approached it the same way with Pretty Deadly, right? Like they, they did their, it was like four or five issues for the first trade and then, you know, had months off and kind of hit it back up and, and bringing it back out. But, you know, it was telling the stories when they have the stories ready. And I think it's, I think it's a cool idea. I think, uh, I think we all benefit from that if that's how the creators want to roll with it, you know? Well, the process is entirely organic because it lets the things grow at their own pace. Yeah. Set, setting a ridiculous, um, mile marker for something that may not require it is just, it's lack of foresight, really. Yeah. And, 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 you know, while I, I don't want to be completely mercenary about the whole thing and turn it into, you know, only about the money because it's not, it's, it is about, I mean, I don't think anybody goes to image, uh, if they're all about the money, right? They go because they want to make, their own comic book and have their freedom to, to tell the stories. But, um, you're going to get better comic books if people are, uh, being, uh, taken care of in the way that they, they need to be taken care of. Right. So whatever somebody's number is, if that number's being hit, then they're going to make the best comic book they can make for us, you know? Right. And, and if they're not hitting those numbers, but they've set in motion, you know, before those numbers were ever known, they set in motion a plan, then 
you're probably not going to get a guy or girl at the other end of that, you know, pencil very happy while they're making those marks. You know, that's going to be some tough love, you know? Uh, and I, I guess for me, it's just, I, I want to know, I want to see like where things are heading. Like, you know, Oh man, if these, oh, like if I feel like, Oh, by issue six, they're going to be down that way. Let's, you know what? Let's blow this party up right now. Like let's take all those things that I might've done in issue 12 and let's just go ahead and let's have this party right now. Like, let's just act like, you know, but again, like let's just act like the world's ending and let's get it all out. Cause I'd rather do that than like trudge along and like, you know, like kind of like lay in this empty house while and just finish it because I said I would, you know, um, it just, I think it makes, you can, I think we all know when we're reading something that where, where somebody's like super in it or somebody's checked out. Um, I think it kind of comes across. I think it comes across in the, the, the visuals. I think it comes across in the, the writing. And, um, yeah, it's, I think it's better. And I think it's the nice thing about the way image is set up or, you know, doing your own, own stuff and telling your own stories is there is no, there are no rules. Like just kind of, you know, figure out that as you go and, and kind of be nimble. I think, I think if this business has taught me anything, it's about being nimble, right? Like it's <laughs> like, you know, like keep your ankles all ready. Don't, you know what I mean? You gotta, gotta kind of glide side to side. You gotta learn how to juke. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dusting um, off your old basketball skills. I know, right? You gotta break some ankles out there. I mean, let's keep it real though. I, I mean, like you said, you, not to be mercenary, but, but you know, what I, I think it's no coincidence that the image revolution has come at a time when uh, the economics are, are, are bearing much better fruit than they were, you know, five years ago when everyone was like, viewed going and doing creator own book is pretty risky and like, you better absolutely love the project because you're gonna have to be taking a step down. I mean, you know, I, I know, I know talking about, uh, I, since, since I do what I do for a living, I, I, I'm always happy to talk about money, but, but, but I know most people, um, understandably like, you know, quite as kept, they keep their stuff private, but that, that's actually why I appreciated when when Jonathan Hickman was on the show, because uh, you know he he just kept it real. I mean, he he said, "Look, I, I as you can imagine, I, I make a very good living for Marvel. They've been great to me, but mm-hmm. you know, last year I made eighty to ninety percent of my income from Image. You know, even yeah. though I sold, and 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 he's not alone. And and I know I was at a um, again, I won't name these people because they haven't told me it's okay, but I was hanging out at New York Comic Con at a very popular Image artist's uh, table, and he was evangelizing and making the push, speaking hard and fast numbers to a number of other artists that aren't an image, but he was saying you need to bring your, your book over to image and here's why and here's the numbers and, and it's, uh, it's impressive, man. Like, like again, I mean, it, this is, whereas in the past, I think it was a few years ago, if you did a book at, at, at a, a creator owned book, you were hoping that, you know, it would cover your nut and that it would be fulfilling and raise your profile and, and, and maybe if all things fell right, it would, you know, maybe you'd own the property. So if there was ever any interest from Hollywood, you'd have that kind of call option. But now it's, it's, it's different game. I mean, if you, if you can put out the numbers that, uh, I'd say a, a typical decent profile image book is, is putting out, uh, you know, it, you, you very well can make a lot more than you're making, or at least most people can make a lot more than they're making at the big two. Plus you get to own your IP. Oh, and, but, yeah. Well, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I thought I was jumping in. I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, and I was going to say, and then the other thing is, 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 and, and you alluded to this, the, I think there's been a market increase in the, uh, in the interest from Hollywood, right? I mean, where, in, and what I mean by that is that, 
it's not unusual for any kind of of work of fiction to be optioned and and I, I you know we've had other people talk about in the past an option really was just you, you kind of got a nominal check and they had the rights to it and it, it largely just you know lasted a few years and nothing came of it but it seems like because uh hollywood has now made so much money off of common mm-hmm. properties that it really does seem like um you know even five years ago i think comics writers weren't perceived to be um necessarily right capable writers of other types of 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 uh sure. of, of entertainment but that's so far gone now i mean I, I, again i think hollywood now looks at at, at new comic properties as sort of a, a, a proving ground for for really creative uh, and, sure. and, and sellable works. And so just my point here is along with the way of saying, I mean, the economics have really changed. I mean, for the better. Oh, for, yeah. For, you know, they're I mean, absolutely a, it's a different ball game. I mean, um, Jason Howard is uh, one of my best friends and, you know, he's doing trees with uh, Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis yeah. um, and that's a really cool book. And I will tell you right now. Jason makes uh I mean look I do very well at Marvel okay I do very well and Jason is body slamming me right now like body slamming like uh per issue like uh just it's nuts right um so and that's J- Jason uh there's other people that it, uh, like I'm trying so hard I was like Jason you need to do a blog post. Do a blog post. Put these numbers. You know, it's like because I've I've been listening to like self publishing uh podcasts lately about authors in the Kindle world, and um these people share everything, man. Like they put all their numbers on Front Street. Like they're just like I did this, and here's how I marketed it, and then I tagged it with this. I did this, mm-hmm. and then I sold fifty thousand, and I made you know six hundred thousand or whatever. There's like they're just like bang, 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 and then you know we're kind of uh, we're kind of quiet, and I you know whatever reasons, whatever, and. I I know some, you know, some of us have contracts. We can't really talk about the contracts or whatever, but yeah, right now image like on that front, like if you get a book that, you know, if you get a book that sells, you know, in, in, in anywhere on that, like 30,000 and above sure. zone, you are going to beat what somebody makes at, uh, you know, what most people make at um, a Marvel or DC. That's just like, that's simple math, man. Yeah. Like it's, well, I mean, it's... Hickman said that uh, Patara and Dragata both literally Marvel couldn't afford them right now. You know, yeah, Dragata is killing it, dude. Right. Like, yeah, the same thing. Like Dragata gives, gives like Dragata will tell me those numbers. And I'm just like, I just want to like make out with them. Like, it's <laughs> right. It's just like, I love that dude. Anyway, that dude, like Dragata is one of the real, like one of the great dudes, man. You guys should get him on. Uh, sometime. Yeah, we love to. Yeah, he's, he, he's a fellow Philadelphia Eagles fan, so I got much. Yeah, love. he is an amazing guy, man. Like, but uh, yeah, these guys, like, yeah, you like, you can't afford Dragata now. Um, you know, like uh, Lemire and and Dustin, uh, Jeff and Dustin just like did gangbusters on the first first issue of Descender. I mean, we're talking like you know, if you do a if you do num if you put up numbers like you know like on Descender. You know, you put up some of those numbers, like you're making off of one issue, like what it takes you a year to make on a 12 issues. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Like yeah, yeah. you're, you're getting, you're getting re- some real bank. Now, listen, there are, th- that's not saying that's not me damning. I mean, I'm still, a, I'm still working at Marvel. I'm still going to work at Marvel. I'm still going to do books there. Still going to do covers there. Like th- that's, that's, I still have a home there as well. Right. Um, there are, there, there are, there are 
just as many things of other value there, you know, uh, where if we, again, we turn it into a mercenary thing, like, uh, there's a dollar amount that, that, that I'm going to crush, you know, I'm instantly, no matter if I do fantastic or not, like, I don't like, I'm not going to need to sell like a billion copies to, to make more than what I make, you know, on, on any other book at Marvel. But there are other things of value that I get from my Marvel stuff that is invaluable, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That doesn't have a dollar amount to it that, I, but that I wouldn't be able to, um, you know, I probably wouldn't be able to go over and do this book, you know, and, and, and have the eyeballs on it. Uh, and not just readers, I'm t- like retailers, you know what I mean? Like Mar- like the stuff that, that Marvel has kind of done for me and let me play around with and do, um, you know, these covers alone for the last three years have like, made retailers, you know, pretty good buddies of mine, you know, like, I, you know, that's been a, a good thing for them. It's been a good thing for me. So hopefully that's gotten, you know, without that, I don't know, like if retailers would be like, oh, well, hey, he's done these covers and people really like this. So we'll take a chance on him when he does his creator own thing. Cause that's a, that's an equal thing, right? Like it's not just walking over. It's just like you can't just walk in the door at image and now everybody sells 60,000 copies of a comic, you know? Um, so there are definitely the, – the economics are awesome right now. But it's still – you know, it's still anybody's game. You could still walk over to Image and sell, you know, 10,000 on number sure. one. And if sure. you sell 10,000 on number one, yeah, you know, you do pretty good. But you're not – you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's going to be a it's gonna be a little bit of a tougher walk home um, I think, you know, <laughs> right, right. afterwards. And I don't know if I – you know, if I sell 10,000 on number one, which I don't you – know, I don't think – I hope that I don't. But if I sell 10,000 on number one, I'm probably not going to plan – to take that thing to, you know, to 60 or whatever. But, um, I don't know. I think, uh, I think the economics of it are, are awesome. And they're definitely are, is the reason that we are seeing, I mean, how lucky are we as readers that we're seeing like, you know, Mateo Scalera, you know, just, just like straight up murder pages on black science. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just, just dropping, well, science, right? <laughs> Without a pun, but, uh, just killing it on that book. I think, you know, five years ago, six, seven, eight years ago, we weren't seeing that because like you said, like, you know, the, the economics weren't there for somebody like with his, his level of ability. He knows he's going to be able to get money at Marvel and DC doing his thing. Um, but you know, we get to see him do Marvel and DC for a little bit. Now we go see him do black science and we all benefit, right? Like everybody, everybody wins. Um, so I think it's really cool, you know, and, uh, so for me, I, you know, I got a, I got plans to do my own stuff and hopefully that goes well. And, and if it goes well, then I hope people warm are welcome to, you know, me doing a project with Brent and, you know, kind of expanding outside from that and kind of lending my, a little bit of my voice to, to something else with him and, and getting to write. Cause I think the real thing that I want to do that, that is behind that. And I don't know if I said this earlier, but the thing that I get that gets to happen when I, when I work with Brent or I work with Felipe or I work with Craig or I work with, you know, hopefully Ryan Lee one day, when I work with any of these dudes, like, or when I work with these guys, it gives me a chance to tell a story that I maybe wouldn't be able to tell for myself because I'm not that kind of artist, you know, like Brent has such a sweet retro kind of EC, like, you know, vibe that, I'm like, oh man, I want to tell a story like that, but 
that doesn't really fit my drawings. You know what I mean? Like my drawing's not going to like make that kind of material sing. And I know that, right? Like I like man, there was a time where I thought, well, my my kind of art needs to fit on all types of stories, but it doesn't. It fits on a certain kind of story, you know. And and I don't I wouldn't have fun doing it another way, but you know, like getting a chance to do that with guys like Brand or 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 some of the other people I'll work with. Um I think that's exciting. It's exciting for me. Image is exciting me in that way, you know, to be able to uh, kind of expand and try some new things out past just just my books, you know. Absolutely, there you. A lot of science there, Mister Young. Maybe I feel like have I been rambling like crazy tonight? I feel like I thought Rob Liefeld was on. Oh, like, what's going snap. on here, dude? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pull like a diva and tell you you can't air this episode now. Oh, <laughs> <Go on> now. <laughs> unfortunately oh. for you, before you even hang up Skype, pins will have it uploaded. <laughs> you betcha. I think it's the problem. I drank that massive cup of coffee right before we got on. For real, you should drink much more coffee. We'd be getting a lot of books out of you. I tell you what, here honestly, I'm gonna tell you. I'm just fucking excited about making comics right now, man. Like, I can tell, man. It's the, great. That's the best thing, right? That's really what it is, man. I'm just really, like, my mind is going a mile a minute lately because, well, A, because I am busy as all fuck. Like, uh, I've never really done two books kind of side by side at once and, and then, uh, and like, uh, like seven covers every 10 minutes. But <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that's going to last a short time, right? I've got about two more months of a pretty hectic schedule. Um, and I'm also kind of trying to speed that up a little bit because, you know, I've, I've got a baby on the way and stuff. But, yeah, you do. Um, but, you know, I've got about two more months of really su- hyper intense stuff and then it's going to, then it's going to slow up a little bit for me. But, um. How's Bax, uh, dealing with the, uh, with the idea of being a big brother? Is he, he's into it? He oh, he's, yeah, he's no, he's super into it, man. He's, uh, in fact, last night he said, you know, in his bathroom, he has two sinks and, uh, he said, damn. Yeah, I know, right? He said, uh, he's like, mom, there's two sinks in here. And she was like, yeah, there is. He goes, yeah, that's cool. Cause that'll just be my brother's sink. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So he's, uh, he's pretty into it. Yeah, man. He's, you know, it's kind of nice, right? He's five, you know, he turned five in November. So it's like, it's five is such a dope age. It's like, you know, they're, they're really becoming their own people. Like they yes. really got, the, they, they, <laughs> They absolutely have their stuff and their thing, the, the things they're into. And they're just their own little people in your house, right? You're starting to live with a new person. Where up to that point, you're like, you're living with a person that does the things that you say to do. And they're, you know, like, don't touch that. Don't do this and don't do that. And it's just, you know, you're just kind of guiding this little being around the house. And now, now all of a sudden you're like, I'm in a house where I have a conversation with a, a, a person that's different than us, you know? Yeah. And, he's like, you better raise up dad. Yeah. He's, you know, he's getting like that. Right. And, and so it's really cool to, to, to have that to him be at this age when we're expecting, because you truly get to share it with him and he gets it. And he's, ex- he's excited for a new experience where, you know, I, I do think when they're younger, right. It's like, when you like, 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 if you take a kid to Disney World when they're three, it's almost the same as taking them to Walmart. They don't care, right? It's just like, oh, this is cool. I like Walmart too. I like toy aisle at Walmart. It's like, there's nothing. It's all like, there's no kind of relativity to them. It's all just like everything's a big spectacle to them in life, versus like now, like everything's appreciated in a different way for him. So you know, like he's understanding that there's a. You know, there's a baby in her belly and he's really, he gets it like, and he gets it and he's excited for it to come and he's asking questions like, can he hear me? And, 
uh, you know, is he, you know, and she says, well, he'll be moving. And he's like, well, I can't feel it yet. And so you're talking about those kind of things. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's awesome to watch that happen, but we'll see what happens when he actually, when the baby actually gets here. Right. Like Jason, you, you, I mean, uh, Jason and Vince, I know you guys have, uh, multiple children's and yeah, I'm sure, yeah. uh, Vince, uh, David, you have, you have step child. Do I know something I, like this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just one. Yes. Okay. So I, I don't know. It's like so far everything seems great, but I'm sure you guys know better than me that at some point there's going to be, uh, you know, jealousy in a way that, you know, we're not, not ready for it quite yet. Um, right. You know, yeah. so I, the, the, be- the best moment is when the older one, takes the the younger one under their wing. Like when they finally relent and like, yeah, this person's a part of me. Right. I got to show them. I got to show them how to do it right. That's the best. That'd be cool, man. I look, yeah, I yeah. definitely look forward to that. It's, I think age has a big dynamic there because, uh, and I know Vince, yours are spread out. Like my, like my, my first two are very close together. And then, and then, uh, our youngest Holden is, uh, is, you know, is, is many years younger than the other two. And like, I, I just, and again, I don't know if this is typical cause I only have my own experience to base this on, but, but the the two older ones are definitely, I think, the way I envision classic siblings in that they're they love each other to death, but they also just drive each other nuts. I mean, they right. they, they know how to piss each other off at a, at, at, with a drop of a hat, and they take great pleasure in that, and they also know how to big each other up. But like the but the youngest is, I mean, it's just almost all love from both of the older ones to the younger one. Like they 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 don't they don't get jealous. They they treat him much they each treat him much better than they treat each other uh right. and I, I i i attribute some of that to the age difference because they view him not as a cohort but as a, a genuinely you know younger creature someone that needs to be taken care of yeah um, yeah so. i was i was like that with my siblings as well because i was i was four and uh five i was five years older than my brother and i never viewed his as somebody that i competed with like I was just, I was, you know what I mean? I was older and bigger. And so by the time that he was old enough to, you know, be somebody to actually compete with, I was far older and didn't have to, you know, so he was just my little brother, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, we, we intentionally wait, we were going to wait until three years at least. We, like we had talked about that and then, you know, obviously waited till he was five and, and we're, we're pretty excited about, uh, we're pretty excited about it. Um, that's well, you should be, sir. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a damn good father. That's all I gotta say. Thanks, dude. Thank you. And Casey's a good mom. You guys are, uh, it's always fun to, it's fun to chronicle, follow your chronicles on Facebook. It's just, yeah, it's cool, right? I mean, it's like, I don't know, there's just some, I mean, we also have, we also have two large dogs, too. Um, <laughs> that, that seems really cute through pictures. Dude, I use, I use your dogs all the time as we lobby for our next dog with my wife because, <laughs> You know, we have a, a reasonably large dog, but, uh, but I, I want to go real big with the next one, like gigantic. Right. And so you're one of the families I pull out. I'm like, look, this is awesome. Like who wants a little lap dog? We want this. That's and, it. uh, I, I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing that battle, but, but I will tell you right now, so I will tell you the large dog is the easiest dog on the planet. Like Emma versus Penny and Penny's not a small dog. Um, but Emma or St. Bernard. Versus Penny or Golden Doodle. No question which is easier. Like, Emma is slow. You know, she's just like, she's just chill. It's just like having like a, like a, another person around the house. She just lays around. 
Yeah, it's kind of like Vince. <laughs> um, yeah, she's just nice and chill. You know what I mean? It, she doesn't feel like you don't feel like you have like a dog dog around, even though weirdly enough, because it's so big, you think it would be that, but it's not. Like well, we're pinning. She? Uh, she's six, so she's definitely she's getting up there, but she's been like this forever. Like she was like potty trained instantly. The bigger the dog the longer they can go, you know what I mean? Before that, you know, so like even, even when you leave the house, there's not as much of that kind of like, Oh, how long have we, they've been home and blah, 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 and things like that. Like there's just a lot of bonuses to the big dog. I mean, they're just, it's, there's so much, they just seem more intentional. Like when she walks around the house, she's like, She's clocking shit. She's like, what's up? You know, she's looking around. She's not like, it's not like Penny who's like, just like comes in a room and, you know, it's like waggling and just like, what the fuck's up? What's the fuck's up? You know what I mean? Like something going down, something popping off. What's up? We're going to do, we're going to do this. You know, break him off something. Yeah. It's just like, come up off that ball, homie. Come up off that ball. You know, like she's just like, everything's, everything's always like, you know, she's a dog. Like that's how dogs are. Like she's like, something's going down. We're about ready to do this. You know, and Emma just comes in a room like, and you'll just be like, come here, Emma. And Emma will just kind of look at you like, no, I'm not into that right now. I'm just going to I'm I'm go over. I'm going to go over and, and do this she, thing. Yeah, she is kind of like that. She's just like, I must go lay over here or whatever. So, yeah, I would say, I mean, I could definitely never do the like yippee, kind of the yippee run around the house. David and Vince are more the yippee dogs. They like the small dogs. Oh, I'm, I'm in the yippee zone. I have two Yorkies. Oh, little ba- the yeah, those little bastards. They're, 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 they're piss factors. Yeah, that that's what they, they're constantly pissed. They are the worst. Yeah. They're, they're, dude, they're not the worst. They're very smart dogs, but they do require a lot of attention. Okay, Casey's, on blast. Casey's parents have, <laughs> Casey's parents have two Yorkies and some sort of other situation. And, uh, the Yorkies are, they're like mental cases. Like, they pee everywhere. I, I lock that shit down. They, they, they yeah. yip and and they're just a basket cases. <laughs> like, I just, it, but they're very intelligent dogs. They're really smart. Well, but, well, they're not taking math tests. I don't need them. I don't need. <laughs> you don't know my dogs, dude. Yeah. <laughs> they did my taxes last. No, I, who, on the who needs uh, into it when you got Yorkies. On the on the on the other side of it are uh, Golden Doodle Penny. She is smart as shit. Like half poodle and half uh, golden retriever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can half. I can fifty percent cosign with your dog. What? what which which golden one? Golden side and cosign the poodle. I can't have it. Why not? Not a fan, dude. Listen, wow, that's cold. The golden for him. The golden doodles. I mean, you're talking about the first smartest dog and like the third smartest dog being combined into one Uber Voltron dog. It's like <laughs> mecha dog. It is. They're like so. She's like. It takes about half a minute to train her to do anything. Uh, she's super smart. She will. The, the she the golden retriever side of her wins out. Uh. Because she will fetch a ball until she passes out. Like, well, that's great. Yeah. I'm you can just go, like, we'll just go sit in the backyard and I'll just sit in a lawn chair and she'll bring it and drop it. I'll toss it. I'll just go out and put a podcast on and I'll just throw a ball for an hour and then she'll just run and get it and run and get it and run and get it. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. So she's super smart. And then Emma is smart, but she doesn't give a shit. Like, yeah. She These just p- poodles don't shit. So do you benefit from the poodle part of that? Yep. That's, they don't, yep. Perfect. That's like the beautiful part of a golden doodle, right? They've got, they've got all the traits of like 
they've got all the great traits, family traits of a golden retriever, but then they've got all like the physical traits of a, uh, poodle. So she does all the stuff that a golden retriever does. Like she's super into, she's super into the family. She's super lovable. She's super playful. But then the poodle side of her, she can jump like 20 feet in the air. It's crazy. Like she's like super light on her feet and bouncy, but then she does not shed at all. Like where Emma, it's like you, you feel like six people came in and shaved their heads and just left it laying around your house. (laughs) It's almost Vince got his chest waxed. That's my, my ass. That's why we have Yorkies because my girls are allergic to dogs. Oh, all right. uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I don't want to cut this party short, but we're going way long. All right, let's, let's do the in your so travels. Let's do it. No, we got to say who sponsored this shindig. Oh, my bad. Discount Comic Book Service. If you want to get your books fast and get them in great condition and deliver it right to your damn door, all you got to do is go to DCBService.com and they will hook you up with the absolute best discounts in the business. Go there, DCBService.com and do not forget The Indie Comic Expo, April 24th of this very year, from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. at Reggie's Rock Club. Where's that? 2109 South State Street in good old Chicago. Kingbone Press had secured two large rooms at Reggie's, which is located two miles from the awesome McCormick Place. Two host creators, panels, and music. In the music joint room, you can have some great food and drinks and see live panel discussions and creator interviews. In the rock club, you can meet with creators at their tables, grab a drink, and hear some amazing live music from Cochise Soulstar and Adam Warrock. Woot! There will be live interview with Ed Brisson, writer of Sheltered, Come Back, and many great comics. Uh, All this for only eight bucks at the door. That is super cheap. Discount tickets, shirts, and VIP open bar packages are only available at kingbonepress.com. Kingbonepress.com. In your travels, Jason chewed up most of our runtime this week, so I can't really talk <laughs> about this in, in great detail. So this is your assignment for next week. Um, one of my wishes has come true, and I've wanted this for many, many years. 50 issues, in fact. It's, it's, it's come to fruition. The, the power and the, the excitement and the energy and the majesty is back in this book it, where it was once in a black hole of shadows and murky artwork. It is now back on the top of my stack. Mm-hmm. I am talking about Spawn. Ah. The, uh, the one shot resurrection came out a few weeks back, written by Paul Jenkins, illustrated by John Boy Myers. It's like a huge, colossal, shoulder-crushing weight has been lifted off me. I'm looking at this book, and it is everything I wanted Spawn to be for the past 50 issues. Including a magic bullet. It's awesome. <laughs> and y'all should read it, because I'm going to be talking about it next week. That's all I'm going to say. The The joy is back in Spawn. Todd, what the frig took you so long? But we'll talk about it next week. Spawn Resurrection from Image. Go get it. Yeah, go get it. Seriously. Yeah, so am I. I've read there's, it. I've been waiting for you to talk about it. There's a conceptual hook in this book to which Grant Morrison can only aspire. God is a dog. That's damn deep. So get in on this. <laughs> I loved it. Um, I did. I'm glad. 
Next. I'm glad. Um, You're not going to shit on it. I'll just edit all the David <laughs> shitting parts out. So a regular, regular episode then? No, I do no uh, editing uh, for you because you don't speak. Not in this week. <laughs> there was no reason to this week. Um, I love him. The uh, second issue of The Dying and the Dead. Man, See, I was thinking you were going in another direction. That's why. All right. Um, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Ryan Bonham. The, uh, the end of the, we read, we all read the first issue, all of the first issue. Um, I wasn't quite sure. I, I got to the end of the first issue and I'm like, all right, I'm, you know, read the second issue, see where it's going. The end of the, this issue, I think for me was better than the first issue because wow, that's... It, it's now, because I was telling you guys before, the, the light bulb went off because it, it, the title of the book <laughs> finally made sense to me with this issue. And um, n- when I got to the end of this issue, I want the third issue now. I really didn't feel that way at the end of the first one. But now I, I, I need to know what's next. And, and uh, it still looks amazing. Still great stuff. There's still the, uh, the, the monotone going on with, uh, with different, uh, different colors, uh, each panel pretty much with the, with the primary color, um, or, or one specific color, uh, for each panel. But, uh, it's, um, yeah, this is, this is another book where I think you'll, you, you can reread and, and pick up on little things, um, all visual and, uh, the, the cast of characters are, it, it's not exactly, um, I guess a group of people who I'd be jumping at the bit to, to run out and, and read their stories, but, uh, Hickman's got me, um, got me raring to go for the rest of it. It's, uh, it's, like I said, we, we, we said after the first one to get it, I'm going to, uh, continue that, uh, that mantra and, and tell you to get it after reading the second issue. Yeah. Respect. All right. I'm going to have to audible here. Cause I was going to, let me just echo to David's statement. I think the uh, second issue locks it down for, for me on this issue series too. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I will, uh, I will throw some love to uh, people that we often praise, but, but never because uh, it, it, it's always worth doing so because they deserve it. Southern bastards. Number eight. That's where I thought by you were the, going. the Jason's, uh, oh, nice. Okay, so um, Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. Uh, this essentially wraps up the second arc, which has been all about Coach Boss. In this issue, we uh, find out uh, how Coach went from a uh, scrawny, abused, troubled kid to the head coach of the Rebels. And uh, let's just say he's a grimy fucker. Dude has... He it, is, yeah. He, he, he earned his place on, on at the top of that uh, of that uh, hierarchy. Put it that way. And also, uh, I don't generally talk about like back matter and stuff like that. It's it's not often that I get too into that stuff. But the letters page for Southern Bastards is is pretty damn awesome. Uh, I have to say, like like it's definitely worth reading. Um, and I don't usually say that about that kind of thing, but. Like, just for example, uh, one of the, the letters in this thing said, uh, someone wrote and said, Lay's tater chips? Fucking Lay's? This is Alabama. That means Golden Flake, peckerhead. 
And uh, and Jason Aaron's response is, oh, Jesus, you're right. I'm so ashamed. This is bad. This is worse than that time I turned Thor into a woman. I mean, that's fucking hilarious. Like, that's just ridiculous. Um, so, no, seriously, this is great. And, and I, I don't want to spoil it, but as as many people know, if you're not up to date on, on Southern Bastards, we raved about the end of the fourth issue with this holy shit moment. And while we don't get as equivalent a holy shit moment at the end of issue eight, um, we certainly do get a final page that uh, tells us that next arc, it's 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 popping off. Yeah, it shit's about to go down. Put it that way, yeah. in a big way. So, uh, I you know this is definitely one of the one of my favorite uh, books that Image has been doing, and uh, it can't wait. And and we we hopefully will have uh, Mister Latour on sometime in the near future. I think so. Uh, stay tuned for that. Awesome. That book's awesome. No doubt, no doubt. You got some uh, Yeah, I do. It's, I'm going to go, I'm going to throw a curveball. I'm going to say, in your travels, go by exploring Calvin and Hobbes, an exhibition catalog. Uh, they took some Calvin and Hobbes stuff. They did an ex- exhibition um, this year, and the, they put out a catalog with it. Uh, you know how they, when they do shows, they put together a nice little book, um, and they usually do an interview. So, you know, if everybody knows who's into Calvin and Hobbes knows that, uh, Bill Watterson is not the most, um, you know, chatty person. He's not a public person. Um, he famously never licensed Calvin and Hobbes and never wanted to merchandise it or anything like that. And he doesn't do interviews and he's not uh, a big famous guy. And there's a very, lengthy interview throughout this book so you get to really kind of hear his thoughts on everything and he you know he's he's pretty open about things and um you get to see there's a lot of uh a lot of the calvin and Hobbes strips throughout it are um you know the like the raw scans so you can kind of see the the actual kind of raw scan of the art uh almost like kind of like it's not the it's not actual size but it'll be a little bit like, uh, you know, kind of artist edition kind of style, uh, black or black and white versions here and there. And then, um, for art heads also, there is, um, a page in here that shows his, uh, that they, they took around with the exhibition, uh, his tools. They had like a case set up with, uh, the tools that he uses. So has the, like his brush and a pen and all the different things that he uses. And then it has a little note beside each one and him kind of describing like what he does with this. Uh, and I'm trying to find it because there's one funny thing, right? So there's like a couple bottles of ink and some pens and some whiteout and the kind of paper he uses. And then, um, you know, uh, Vince, you probably know what it's called. It's the, the Ames lettering guide, right? Yep. It's, uh, the Al, is Alvin that made it or Ames, whatever. It's the, yeah, the Ames. No, it's Ames. Ames yeah. yeah, the Ames lettering guide. Uh, so you, you hear like, one, Strathmore Bristol board, and then he writes about that, and two, circle template, and three, red mechanical pencil, number two, H lead. So all these things are very descriptive. And then when you get to number five, it's labeled, um, clear plastic thing with holes. <laughs> and then he, he he goes on to say, I don't even know what this is called. The idea that you stick your pencil in the idea is you stick your pencil in this various holes and drag the gizmo along the T square. This will give you 
evenly spaced ruled lines for lettering. So he just goes on and explains that. But I thought it was great that everything else is a crow quill and white out and a rapidiograph number two <laughs> point six zero points and then clear plastic thing with holes is uh <laughs> is actually the only thing on the table that has an actual name. You know, like um so anyway it's it's a really cool uh catalog. It's about a hundred and fifty pages long, something like that. Um and it kind of picks out some of your you know the best stuff from Calvin over the years and has some nice, a lot of his watercolor pieces in here. And so each section we'll talk a little bit, you know, he'll talk a little bit too. Like, you know, there's like a spaceman spiff section and nice, um, you know, talk about, there's like a dinosaur section. So you kind of get like some little insight into some of the stuff that he likes or, you know, the seasons and things like that. But, you know, I'm a massive, um, massive Calvin and Hobbes fan. Uh, Oh, something else you'll see in here that you probably may or may not have seen before. Um, uh, you know, in, in the interview, they're talking about getting syndicated in his early work. So they show some of his early work previous to, uh, Calvin and Hobbes, like some of his editorials and stuff. And it also shows his Calvin and Hobbes pitch, uh, that he sent to, uh, try to get syndicated. And you'll notice like Calvin looks completely different. Like, his uh spiky it's not spiky hair his, his hair kind of like comes down and covers his eyes um so he's got a wow. yeah it's uh he's got but he still has a he still has hobbs a tiger still has a tiger but yeah his, his hair his head's completely round and his it, so there's no eyeballs it's just hair hanging in his face um and there's a couple strips in there uh and then a big spread you know that that has kind of that classic hobbs calvin and hobbs in a, in a you know a wagon going off the the, the dock um, but yeah, that's a little bit of like, uh, what's in it. It's just, uh, if you're a fan of, of Bill Watterson and Calvin and Hobbes and, and, you know, art, uh, and, you know, I, I, I relate a lot to his just kind of like loose inking and how like he leaves, he leaves a lot to you to fill in. Um, like it always looks like it's super detailed, but when you get in close, you're like, this is a mess and it's a beautiful mess. <laughs> so I love when I find out that art isn't perfect. Uh, art that in our head we think is perfect, but when you actually get in there and start looking at it, it's really just a bunch of loose pieces that kind of all come together and create something. So yep, go buy that book. It's like 20 bucks. You can order it on Amazon or 12 bucks on Amazon. I just ordered it. Yep. I think if you're a fan of that stuff, you will absolutely love it. Nice. Cool. All right. Thank you very much, Scotty, for being here with us this week. Thanks for having me on. I'm sorry I I, uh, I rambled so much tonight. Never, well, never in, apologize. In exchange, what you can do is when you get deluged at C2E2 by people who want to have jam pieces drawn for you because <laughs> they know us, you, you cannot turn them away and scoff at them. Oh, and you guys aren't even going to be there, so you, you're going to release uh, the heroes? <laughs> We'll be at Heroes, though. Oh, I thought you said it. Yeah, you're not going to be at C2E2, though, right? No, no. Right. Okay. no. But hopefully right. our, 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 our former co-host and in, uh, in brother will be. I don't know if he's planning on attending, but I hope he is. At least to say. Yeah, I, God, I haven't seen or heard from Chris in a long time. So probably since last C2E2. Yeah. Wow. Well, as usual, do us a favor and please come back next week. You know why. Uh, don't make me say it. Uh, David, if you would be so kind to say good night, David. Good night, David. Look at that. <laughs>
Bye, bye people. Thanks, Scotty. Thanks, dude. Peace. <laughs>